And now, introducing the man who has a restraining order filed against him by one Mike Devereaux after he was called outside the man's house in his bushes for the fifth time the other day, this time holding a picture of himself in George Costanza pose on his living room love seat. When reached for comment, the accused said, I just wanted to be his best friend, like his best best friend. I'm the Betty White to his B. Arthur. He'll be your Golden Glen. He is Glenn. Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn Clark. He is Paul Valley. Zach Goodman from the Bat Around is actually hanging out this morning, but I, I don't know. We it, of all the days, we just happen to have booked an insanely busy show today. Just a lot going on in the show today. At some point, we'll have Zach say hello, but it'll literally all we have him do. He's going to say hello, and then we're going to say, "Get the f out of here. We have other things to do." I'm sorry. It's the way it is. But uh, Zach, I think, is going to be sitting in that chair tomorrow, so we'll let him uh, say some more things during the course of tomorrow's program. Uh, seriously, very busy show. Oh, my God. There goes Zach. <laughs> oh, my God. Zach, could you do me a favor? Because I got to do the show. Could you fix that for me? Is that all right? I appreciate it. I feel bad. <laughs> I just I just knocked over. All I did, so we have these chairs in the studio, and they are like literally just the wrong size because they don't quite fit underneath the desks that we have so they kind of get wedged sometimes on the desk thank you Zach. it's very nice of you. did that phenomenally that was just it was just some of your finest work i gotta be honest and this got wedged right on the desk and so i wanted to scoot it out and as i did i knocked over the other microphone in the studio it was uh, it was it was quite an ordeal um anyway as i was saying we have so much to do. Today's show, I'll tell you, is brought to you by uh, Live Casino Hotel. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Here's what's coming up today. Pete Gilbert's going to join us, a friend from WBAL. He got to call his first NFL game this past weekend. And um, I, as someone who's from the area and who's been around the Ravens since basically they were introduced, I can only imagine, and I know he's talked a lot about how much it meant to him, so we're going to talk to Pete Gilbert. Uh, Jerry will be back this week, but uh, was dealing with some COVID issues, and so Pete had to pinch it and um, did a tremendous job. And I'm not surprised by that. Pete's a professional, so we'll talk to Pete Gilbert in just a few minutes. Later on this hour, Damon Evans is going to join us, University of Maryland Athletics Director. We'll talk about them getting a bowl victory. We'll also, of course, talk about their search for a basketball coach, which we're going to have to continue to wait. That's the way it's going to have to work. They got another game tonight at Illinois. Don't feel great about that one. Illinois, quite good. Kofi Coburn, he's okay. Probably not the ideal matchup, but, you know, at least Maryland's got a big, so they'll have a chance to go up against him. We'll talk to Damon Evans later on in the hour. In the 11 a.m. hour today, Adelius Thomas is going to join us, share some thoughts about Ben Roethlisberger. He was part of the Ravens when Ben Roethlisberger made his debut in the NFL. Uh, and then later on in the hour, in the 11 a.m. hour, that is, we'll make our picks. Ken Zalas will be with us. We're not, you know, there isn't a press box fantasy football show today because if you're playing fantasy football in Week 18 – you have a problem. You need help. There is no reason why that should be something that you're doing at this point. Um, but if you happen to be, or if you're playing like a you know DFS, underdog fantasy football, he'll give you some thoughts on what you should be doing fantasy-wise as well, and then we'll make our picks. And then we wrap today's show by catching up with um, Summer Bridger, Baltimore native, who as of this weekend has qualified for her third Olympics as a loser she lives just north of the border, like she lives in uh, Glen Rock, PA. 
but uh, she is she was born in Baltimore. Of course, her dad's a fire chief down this way, and um, very much a Baltimorean. Summer Britcher will join us a little bit later on in the show as well. So busy, busy day. Uh, thanks to all of you uh, who got we. I got more feedback for two things yesterday. Both, uh, I mean, Kadri Ismail's quote, which remains one of the great moments in the history of this program. And I got some people in the industry who are like, I've listened to Kadri Ismail for a thousand years. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard him say. It, if you, I posted the video alone, just of the clip on uh, the various social platforms. If you have not seen it, if you didn't hear it, you need to because the setup and the delivery is just so effing good. Hang on, I could probably... You know, it's our own. We own the rights to this video. We own the rights to this audio. Paul, do me a favor. Pull it up on... Um, you can go to, like... Uh, if you go to my... Tw- if you go to Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter or my Facebook page, it shouldn't be all that far down. Pull it up, and we'll play it again for those people that missed it. The delivery... The, the actual content is is silly, you know what I mean? Like, it's... Somebody said this to me. They said, Glenn, do you really care this much about what the Ravens do for Ben Roethlisberger and how fans react to it? As you know, I wrote a lengthy column yesterday at PressBoxOnline.com. And, like, in the context of the world, no. I care far more about, you know, my kids. I care far more about, like, us trying to get uh, a pandemic under control. Like, in the context of the world, no, I don't. In the context of Baltimore sports this week, yeah. Because tell me what's more interesting than that. The game itself? Wish I could tell you that. It almost certainly is not going to matter for the Baltimore Ravens. I wish the game were more important than this. It ain't. I can't pretend like it is. Yes, I know there's a one in a million scenario. There's a there's this extremely unlikely scenario where all of these things play out on Sunday and the Ravens still have a chance to make the playoffs, but come on. Just come on. We know. It's it's over. It's over. This is it. This is all that's left. This is the only thing that remains that still matters at this point. So, in that in that context, that's okay. No, I'm, I, I'm having go a to the socials. I'm saying go to right. The, I, I did. Yes, and it's it, not that far down. I promise. The actual video itself is embedded in the page. It's not a link. It's the actual video embedded on the socials. Um, it should be the second or third thing that you would find on Facebook. Everything I'm seeing on here is from like May 2016. I'm, I Unless I'm on the wrong page. You're definitely on the wrong page. It's not on. There's not a show page. It's on my page. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> it's on my page. Gotcha. It's all right. We'll. Uh, we'll. Move. I, I promise we haven't been running believe a secret it, Facebook that you don't know about. Believe I it or not, I don't run Glenn's case. Glenn's yeah, Facebook. It's on so my page, facebookcom radio actually is the actual page for me. Um, personally, and that's All where you right. can find it. Yes, yeah, it's okay. We we did a great job in the the pre-show meeting of setting this all up. <laughs> this is what happens when you're a well-oiled machine. All right, we ready? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the the audio, yeah. yeah, we might try. It's, it's, I, I think they should. Okay. Kadri, what, what do you think Ravens fans should do in that moment? Like, what? I, it's. I, I think they should respectfully standing. Up, acknowledge him, and boot his shit out of him. It's just so good. It's just so good. It's just so good. I love it. I mean, that's so genuine for me. I, I don't know what's better, the quote or your Yeah, laugh. me cackling, me absolutely. <laughs> I jumped out of the chair. What do you think Ravens fans should do in One that moment? One more time. Like, sure. What, I, it's, I, I think they should respectfully standing up, 
acknowledge him and boo the shit out of him. It's just so good. It's just so good. Like, it's to the point where you would think that it was prearranged, right? Like, it's just so good, that delivery. It caught me so off guard that, like, I genuinely lost it. I, like, legitimately jumped out of my chair for a second. It caught me so off guard. It's just so wonderful. Now, again, is it silly? Yes, it's silly, of course. Is it actually newsworthy? No, not in any way. There's nothing newsworthy about it. It's, it's what a, you know, a former Raven who works in media thinks about how fans should react to a player arriving in Baltimore on Sunday. There's nothing actually newsworthy about it. It's just so silly and fun. It's just such a wonderful cl- uh, uh, clip that I could play it forever because it was so wonderfully done. And, um, you know, Kaji's been a friend for a very long time. It's just so, so well delivered. Respectfully, stand up. Like, you're just waiting for him to say something very boring. Like, you know, tip your cap, give a polite golf clap to the man. He's had a hell of a career. And then he drops the boo the shit out of him. And you're just like, God bless you. That is such a wonderful clip. Every one of you seemed to enjoy it yesterday. Um... I, I had a lot of fun with it, obviously, as you could tell by me howling in the background. Ha! Should hear what I sound like in bed. Oh, <laughs> yeah. good you think, lord. You think that's good? You should hear. Where is this show going? You should hear what I sound like in bed. Um, it was just so delightful, so thank you to Kadri for that. I also got a ton of feedback about just Drew and I riffing at the end of the show. I did not. That went... Eh. That went too long, so I apologize for that. I rather went enjoyed it. I didn't even mind long. being here long. Oh, it was God. it was rather enjoyable for yeah, me. Everybody got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, feedback about the riffing that we were doing there at the end of the program, and some of the stories that we were telling. At some point, we run out of. You can only tell so many stories so many times, and then at some point, you know, like there's just no more stories to tell. Like everybody's already heard all of them, but we had a good time with that. So thank you to those of you that uh, reached out with your feedback about that. Um, as far as actual news, Lamar Jackson didn't practice yesterday. That's not surprising. I mean, I think we all kind of made peace about that. That's the other part of why it is that I can't pretend like the game matters all that much this week. If, if Lamar Jackson were playing this week, at least maybe we could get a slight answer to the, the, the overall Lamar Jackson issue that we've been dealing with in the second half of the season which is the question about how he's handled the blitz. Like it, it would be nice to at least see some evidence of Lamar Jackson playing in a football game and, and better handling the blitz. It would be nice to go into the offseason with that not being the last taste of what we saw from Lamar Jackson. As I said a million times, not because it's going to impact me in any way. I'm trying to remember who I was talking about this with the other day. Somebody brought, mm, I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was. Somebody brought up to me the, Glenn, do you really think that the contract's going to get done this offseason? And I said, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, I can't see the future. It's like when somebody asks me who I think is going to win a football game. I'm guessing. I don't, I don't know. And as I've said before, as far as reporting, we've never had less information about a player because there's no agent to give us information. There's nobody leaking information whatsoever. When I wanted to know what was going on with Joe Flacco and his contract negotiations, it was not hard. Frankly, I could have gotten it from Joe most of the time because Joe didn't give a rat's ass about that type of stuff. He would just tell you what he was thinking. Um, But if not, I could go get it from the other Joe, his agent, Joe Linta. I had no problem getting whatever information I needed when that was happening. With Lamar Jackson, it's far different. He does not do um, media really outside of what's arranged by the Ravens, and it's been weeks since he's been in front of a podium. And he's got no team that leaks anything. So it's very difficult to do any reporting about the negotiations. Combine that with 
the the question that people are asking about, well, do you even need to? Is it right? Is now the right time to be doing that? Or should you make him come back and prove it? And somebody, and I, God, I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was, but somebody reached out to me and said, shouldn't you be making Lamar Jackson come back and prove it next season after you saw him struggle against the Blitz? And I said, it's a fair point. And I understand why it is that people are saying that. You, you don't have to worry about him becoming a free agent. If he goes and kicks ass next season and wins the MVP, you have no concern about him becoming a free agent the following year because you have the ability to tag him and say, you're not becoming a free agent. It's that simple. You're still... If you don't want to do a deal now, we can buy another year in order to get a deal done. Frankly, you could do it for two years if you'd like. So there's no need necessarily. The point that I made is if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm forcing the hand. I'm not playing these games. I'm saying you either do this or trade me. Do you know how many NFL teams are in the market for quarterbacks right now? It's amazing. Two years ago, we had a conversation about how every, nearly every team in the NFL either had a franchise quarterback or someone they thought could be their franchise quarterback. That number has dropped in half since then. Think about how many teams need quarterbacks this offseason. It's not just the Steelers. It's not just the Broncos. It's not just the Panthers. It's not just Washington. It's not just the Saints. Keep going. We think the Dolphins might still be in the market for a quarterback. Now, that's fairly specific. We think they want Deshaun Watson. But if Lamar Jackson were available, I would think they'd be interested. We think the Texans like Davis Mills, but that's not a guarantee. The Vikings absolutely need a quarterback, 100%. Presuming the Seahawks move on from Russell Wilson, they're going to need a quarterback. Now, I get it. He'll probably be the answer for somebody else in their quarterback position. We think the Browns could be in the market for a quarterback. There is a never-ending list at the moment. The, the Giants could say whatever they want about Daniel Jones. There's nobody on the planet who reasonably thinks that Daniel Jones is the answer for the Giants. Yeah. It would just be them going back and doing it again because he was an early pick. There have never been this many teams in this quarterback-driven era that have all needed a quarterback in one offseason. So if the Ravens want to play around and say, no, you got to go back and prove it next year because we're worried about this four-game stretch, if I'm Lamar Jackson in his camp, I immediately demand a trade and say, you want to create a problem here? You want me not showing up for anything? You want to not have me for training camp? Then go ahead. Make me prove it next year. I'm Lamar Jackson. I changed your franchise. I saved your coach's job. I was the unanimous MVP of the National Football League. And you think I need to prove it for another season? Get the F out of here. Now, I'm not saying Lamar personally would be the one saying that. Lamar's a very, he's clearly a very nice person. He's very polite. He's, he's overwhelming in that way. But if I'm his camp... No chance I'm playing along with that. So basically, his mom? He's got other people advising him. It's not just his mother. He's got other people that are working with advising. There's no way I'm okay with that scenario. No chance I'm playing along with that and just being a good soldier and doing the Joe Flacco bit where I'm like, all right, well, I'll come back and prove it to you. You know why Joe Flacco had to do that? Because he hadn't proven it yet. Because there wasn't the same demand for Joe Flacco going into the 2000, 
12 season. If Lamar Jackson were available, there would be demand for him because there are so many teams that need quarterbacks. The Minnesota Vikings would lose their mind over a chance to get after Lamar Jackson. Now, it's going to cost you more than it would cost you to get Russell Wilson in a trade, but you're getting someone much younger than Russell Wilson. If I'm Lamar Jackson and the Ravens said to me, we're not doing it, sorry, we understand how the system works, there's an amount of money the quarterbacks get paid when they become free agents and they get contracts, and we're just not ready to do that with you, then I would say immediately, great, trade me. Trade me or it's going to become a problem. Now, the Ravens' answer can always be, it's a problem we're willing to deal with. You don't want to show up till the end of training camp? Fine. Frankly, you weren't there for that much training camp a year ago. We probably weren't going to play in the preseason games anyway. We know that you don't really want to miss regular season games, so we assume you'll show up the week before the season starts, and we'll be good. Will they? Is that really something that the Ravens want to do? I don't know. We're not there. It's not an actual threat yet. But it's why I would get this done now. And it's why this, this game that we want to play, well, are you really paying that much money to Lamar Jackson? Yes, because that's what a quarterback costs in the NFL. That's how much it costs. If you have a quarterback, you pay that amount of money. If you don't, you're effed. I, I get that, that um, this is a little bit different because the money's so much larger. Yes. But EDC has proven, in my opinion, that he locks up his guys. Right, so I, I would see. Yes. I, I would see no reason why they would play that game with Lamar Jackson. That's your that's your franchise. Why would you ever play that game? Yeah, because somebody would say you. There were people when the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson that wondered if they weren't going to be the team that was going to say we're we're doing this. We'll run the hell out of them for five years, and then we'll go just draft another quarterback. There have been arguments for years about somebody's got to buck the trend. Somebody's got to say, enough. This is too much money to be paying one position. It's too much, too high a percentage of your salary cap to be soaked up. Somebody's got to buck the trend. And by the way, the Browns are looking like they might end up being the team that's going to do it. But at this point, it's not because they're going to let somebody else. Nobody's signing Baker Mayfield at the same amount of money. Right. Like, it, it's because we got in the answer for this, at this point about Baker Mayfield. He ain't that guy. I said before, Kirk Cousins is the closest thing we've seen to this. But he wasn't a first-round pick. He was a. There were questions about Kirk Cousins. There's never been a team that took a surefire franchise quarterback and said, we're not going to pay you this amount of money. It hasn't happened in the NFL yet. And it shouldn't happen, to your point, Paul. The Ravens absolutely shouldn't be the team to do it. But there have been plenty of people who have suggested that at some point someone will. That at some point... There will be a team that will say, come hell or high water, we are not paying this high a percentage of our salary cap to one player. No matter how good they are. There's just no reason to think that it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens. And it's absurd to think that they should be doing, playing any sort of game with Lamar Jackson. It's absurd. It's just, we have, we, our recency bias problem is so bad that we see a four-game sample size of him struggling against the Blitz. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I don't like it either. I have concerns about it. And it, it, would, be, it would make us all feel better. This is the guarantee fairy from Tommy Boy. We all want to wake up and not have our daughter missing. 
We would all like for Lamar Jackson to have come back and played in a couple of games at the end of the season and look far better against the Blitz so that when we have this conversation in the offseason, it's not the most recent thing that we saw. But it's not going to impact me if I was, believe it or not, they're going to let not have me make these decisions. But if they did, it wouldn't impact me in any way. Yes, it's, it's, it's confusing. It wasn't good. Whatever you want to say. But there's no world in which it would change anything about how much I'm prepared to pay Lamar Jackson and why I'd be doing it this offseason and not messing around. All right. Today's show is also brought to you by, ooh, how about this one's going to be brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Our next guest, I, I can't believe, th- this was really the best they had. This is, the, this is your backup plan to your backup plan to back up your backup plan. Pete Gilbert made his debut as an NFL play-by-play broadcaster this past weekend as uh, he pinch hit for Jerry on the radio broadcast for the Ravens game. He's been a friend for a long time. I was really happy for him. So happy, in fact, that I couldn't even say anything snarky, which is very unlike me when it comes to Pete Gilbert. He's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, brother? How are you? Apparently, until now, you can't say anything snarky. Yeah, well, um, trust me, I got plenty of snarky things I can say to you. But on <laughs> Sunday, I didn't. On Sunday, I was so prepared. On Sunday, I, I'm not even kidding. I started typing out three different snarky tweets, and then I was just like, you know what, man? I genuinely am just happy for. And I, and I'm going to say this to you because I don't want to take it away from it. you're good at your job, but I what I appreciate most about you is the reminder that you're still allowed to be nice in this business and succeed. And and I I don't want you to think that's all I'm saying about you. That I don't think you're talented. I don't think you're you're worthy of it. But it's an amazing thing to me that there's still an ability for people to be kind and nice and appreciative of others, and yet also succeed in this industry. And I hope you understand what that means to me. Uh, that's thank you. I really really appreciate that. I will. I believe that also being nice and working well with others has allowed me to have opportunities. Um, there are, as my wife, who was a, when she was a professor at Towson University, would remind her students, um, she would say to them, you're not good enough to be an asshole. <laughs> and it's, it's very true. I mean, and, vir- and that's virtually true for everybody. There are exceptions, obviously, for the uber, uber talented. Yeah. Right? They yeah. can kind of, like, you're that talented, you can get away with it a whole lot. And there's lots but of 99. them. But yeah. 99.9% of us are not. Yep. So you know what? Work well with others, be nice, and then you will have a much greater opportunity for doors to open in front of you. And that's certainly, I believe that wholeheartedly. And that has definitely allowed me, uh, you know, opportunities that uh, in some cases I probably never should have gotten. But you know what? They came and I've tried to do the best with them. And uh, and here we are. All right. So take me through getting a call like this, how much time you have to prepare when, when I like I. The first time I did an MLS game, I was like, I better have at least a week to prepare. Now, in fairness, it's also a, a sport that I didn't follow very much, so <laughs> I needed to learn about it. You actually, you know, like know the Ravens, so it's a little bit different in that way. Take me through getting the phone call. What goes through your mind? How much you're able to do to prepare for your first NFL broadcast? I uh, was fortunate that I found out for sure Thursday. Okay, so you had a little so bit of time. That- Exactly. If I found out Saturday night, uh, there would have been some real punching, yeah. shall we say, uh, real puckering. So 
you know, it was, you know, I, I didn't, you know, you know, Jer- Jerry's out and get a call from the gym. Hey, he's sick. Um, he's got COVID. You're up. I'm like, oh, okay. Because they had asked me, you know, a year and a half ago, hey, would you be the backup in case of emergency? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, you know, I'm like, you know, I've never done this before, right? They're like, yeah, but you know, you know, you, you can handle it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and uh, and then and then all of a sudden it was real. And so what was great was a having you know one having a, a Zoom call with Femi Ayambadejo, who was a color analyst for me, and he was such a rock on which to lean. That, you know, he kind of was like, hey, all right, tell me what you're concerned about. What do you, what, where do you think your weaknesses are? I'll make sure to, to buck up on those, and you can just come to me for all that. So that was really helpful in knowing they were going to be there to support me. And they said, hey, you know what, don't worry about doing the network pregame show that Jerry normally does. We'll have Melissa Kim do it. Just focus on calling the game. So they really set me up in a position to succeed. And from that point then, I'm, I make my flip charts. I talk to Jerry about how to set those up and then, you know, got advice from him as well, which was instrumental. And then it's just studying the Rams. So NFL game pass, watch their games, turn the volume off, call their game. Mm-hmm. I call their last week game, you know, to myself and using my charts. I really, I really want field. you to tell me that you did it in front of a mirror in your underwear. Just, even if it's not true, just tell me that you did that anyway, please, Pete. It's... Not a chance. Oh, damn. Um, right. But that was it, it was it was kind of funny to sit down like you know if you just if you were just had a camera on me it would have oh. been hilarious. I talk about this all the time, by the way. It's, it, Paul, I've told Paul Valley this. Uh, I've said because he wants to get into play by play a little bit. I'm like telling you, you want to you want to do this, you have to play a video game and broadcast it, right? Like you yeah. have to do this type of stuff in order to get reps because they don't. You know, you can't just go over to Towson and get reps. They're not just going to hire you to do reps over there. <laughs> like you have to get reps wherever you can get them. Yeah, so the time, and that's what it was. It was the timing then. All, you know, managing the timing of it, all the while keeping track of nine balls in the air at once. That's what, you know, is, is kind of what it came down to. So once I figured out how long really I would have to speak before, you know, and set Femi up and then get to the next play, and get up, that was, you know, figuring out those, just really the logistics. And um, so that, that's kind of how I prepared for it. And, and Jerry, he taught, one thing I'll, was so cool that he said to me, he said, I'll tell you what Vince Bagley told me. Broadcast the ball. Mm-hmm. And by that, you know, just that's yep. what people, they need to know where the ball is, yep. what's going, who has it, what's going on with it, what time is it, you know, and, you know, on the clock and just keep, but broadcast the ball. And, you know, let Femi take care of all the analysis. You don't need to worry about that at all. Just be aware of the facts and where the damn ball is. I'm like, okay. Got it. <laughs> I mean, I, it it, se- it seems so simple. And it, by the way, there is there's a negative to that too. By the way, as a broadcaster, and I say this all the time, especially when you do a sport like soccer, I'd be like, I'm only watching the ball. So there'd be some dude running up the flank, and I have no yep. idea, right? Like no freaking clue because I am so zeroed in on the ball. That's what I'm zeroed in a, on. That's what was so fun. I've trained myself for the last you know 15 years watching football to not watch the ball. Watch what's going on. Yeah, exactly right. Right. How you can see the whole picture and you can see who's open downfield and you can see what the defense is doing or you could see a a guard that pulled or anything. Yep. You can't, you don't see that. 
And so I also had to thank my, my spotter, Dan Lundine, who was a former intern of ours at WBAL TV. And he's been Jerry's spotter for more than a decade. That's cool. He, you know, he just comes every week to the home games and does the home games. And he was brilliant. Awesome. He kept me so in check. Everything I needed to know, he was pointing to that I wasn't watching. And it was seamless. And he just, he was such a comfort and just, and just a great spotter is like, I mean, just, Invaluable, invaluable. So now, of course, um, you, you 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 poison Jerry's drink or something, right? Like now, you can't you can't go back, can you? You this, you've had the taste, like you. Have now to that I know what I didn't know, yeah, and have enough feeling for what it actually takes, and I look and I went back and listened, and also just knew right away things I would do differently and want to do. Of course, I'm kind of like, oh, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, right, right. This was my t- this was my chance. This was my yeah, moment. That was it, huh? Okay. Yeah. Look, right. I, I went into it. I'm like, hey, just don't f it up. Right, have really. some fun. That was, you know, make, do do it to the point where that if they needed an emergency backup again, they would still call on you. That's cool. That was That's the cool. goal. Yep. And I think by and large that was accomplished. And um, oh, oh so I got, it, it I, got I got bad so- news. People were talking. Oh boy, I got bad news about that. I'm gonna, <laughs> so it's actually gonna be Chris- not the people that talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they said, were all very nice, Glenn. They said they you're you're lucky. Nice they said me. you're lucky that DeShield was in Omaha. Or you never would have got the get job to begin true. with. That's that's that's, very that's true. what they were saying. Pete Gilbert with us here on GC. I'm happy for you, my friend. That's awesome. That's an awesome thing. All right, um, give me your thought. What are your expectations for Sunday? For what the Ravens might do with Roethlisberger's final game? For what the how the crowd might react? What are you expecting to see? As we all kind of have to acknowledge, unfortunately, the game now largely second fiddle for the Ravens because it's so wildly unlikely that there's a scenario by which they find themselves in the playoffs. Well, I think that's the best, yeah, exactly, in a game that is all but irrelevant regarding the postseason, um, barring all manner of miracle. Um, the reality is if you're, just playing, if you're playing Jacksonville this week, what's that game like? Right, I mean, it's just there's no energy. Yep, hundred percent. You know, you just you just don't care about it. That's the the great thing about Pittsburgh coming to town with us. This may as well be a playoff game, right? I mean, there's nothing John Harbaugh would hate more than the thought of Ben Roethlisberger coming to Baltimore for his final game and winning. Holy crap! Right. So I mean, and that's filtered down from all the way down. Everyone in the building believes that. So. The intensity for this game will be, I think, off the charts. And you're going, and as as much as there are pleas for Ravens fans not to sell their tickets, it's going to be how many terrible towels are going to be. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be. I've I've tried saying this all week, Pete. It's going to be more than we've ever seen before. This will be be twenty thousand terrible towels waiting. Yeah, exactly. They're going to get in. Yep. And by the way, and, and, and I said, and I, I don't, I, I have no problem with like our, our buddy Real Fan Dan's like, please sell your ticket. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm fine with that. The part where we try to say that people are bad people or bad fans, if they, <laughs> like that's, it's so over the top. It's so absurd. You want to make their car payments for them, make their car payments for them. I know, people have I an know. opportunity they're, they're... to sell their tickets and make some money. Either you want to go pay their mortgage, go pay their mortgage, right? And then you know, if you've got a two hundred dollar ticket and someone's offering you fifteen hundred dollars, correct? Stop. Like pretty darn hard. We just say stupid things sometimes because we forget about the con that sports just don't matter in the context of life. Um, It's totally okay. Like in a perfect world, you don't want a you don't want one towel there, right? That's and of course, but. Yes, I think we can all agree it's not a perfect world. Right. And we, and, but um, we all know the circumstances. We all, we're all smart right. enough to understand what's happening on Sunday. 
it's a it's a meaningless game essentially for the Ravens with a backup quarterback playing. And on the other side, it's the last game that a Hall of Famer is ever going to play for that franchise. Of course, they're going to be willing to spend more money for the tickets than Ravens fans are going to be willing to spend for them. It's yes. it's just not hard to figure that out. But I just so but I but I just I think the atmosphere uh, and intensity of the game itself is going to be fantastic. And and I and I agree with John. I mean, you know, you could look up and see the score in the second quarter, and maybe they won't post it. I don't know. Maybe they won't have it on. Uh, the red zone they do during breaks and everything, you know, you may not want to know if the Colts are up three touchdowns on the Jaguars. But, you know, as John said, look, you know, how awful would it be that if actually all those things came to come to pass and you didn't win your game? Right. So, and I I think that's a great way to approach it. Um, So you combine that attitude with, oh, it's Pittsburgh coming to town. I, I, I expect a lot of fun. You know, you know, is T.J. Watt going to break the sack record? Hard to imagine he won't. They better have Nick. If not, the only way to keep it from happening is to have Nick Boyle lined up next um, to Pat McCary for the entire game and just stay there, you know? I mean, there, there's just no way otherwise that, that T.J. Watt's not going to get He's definitely get breaking the record. There's no, I mean, he's breaking right. the record. I mean, it's Come almost on. impossible. Come on. So, you know, you just – you just all those factors coming in, um, it's uh, – I'm really looking forward – to the game, and, and you wouldn't think that about one that is fairly meaningless. Also, just as an aside, as far as, as Roethlisberger, and I don't, I don't know how much needs to be said for this audience, but you know, I'm watching Monday Night Football, and the canonization and lionization of this quarterback um, that has such a checkered mm-hmm. history mm-hmm. to the point that it was reduced to Brian Greasy saying, well, there were some mistakes early on. Yep. Um, is I think important not to do. I did. And last night on the sport in my sports cast, 11 o'clock, I began with that saying, look, he's, you know, a prolific, it's been a prolific career, yep. a hall of fame level career, but you cannot ignore, you know, accused sexual assault that had him suspended. You cannot ignore a sexual assault settlement and, you know, and say, and, and just forget that th- these things happen. That is part of his football legacy. And it's not the only part of his legacy, nope. but it has to be included. Pete, I wrote about it this week, and you're 100% right about that. I do, I do, and I, and I warned in the same, I think there are a lot of people that use it because they, fans specifically, that will say, well, I could never, I could never uh, clap for that guy, he's a rapist, um, that will lose their minds when Terrell Suggs is introduced before the game on Sunday. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to compare the the allegations because they are different allegations that were made. But I think we do that selectively sometimes. And I would encourage you. I I, I think it's it's totally fine to say, hey, I I can't I can't cheer. I can't feel anything positive towards Ben Roethlisberger. I have no no issue with that at all. I I think it's you know, I've said some things about Antonio Brown. Like you're not going to get me to have sympathize for the guy. I've read those text messages like I'm not there will be no sympathy that I will show towards that human. But at the same time, you've got to be willing to acknowledge that there are some other things that are out there about people that you like. Um, and you're, you, you've probably been a bit too dismissive of that in the same way. Um, and that's just, it, it's something, it's a conversation I think we have to have in a week like this. I, I just. Right. And I go back to, you know, like I, the way I felt about Ray Rice when I, you know, when I saw that video, I had, you know, I went on the air and eviscerated it. I, yep. I thought, I, I, like, and, I, and I couldn't understand how Ravens fans were wearing his jersey to the next I, game. I thought it was gross. I mean, I, it, I was, I was appalled. Yep. 
I, by that at that moment. And now, now, much credit to Ray Rice for truly turning around his life. And I think that that's 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 real, is credible. And I, you know, it took a lot of work for that to happen. And we we don't want to be judged solely by our worst moment. But that you know, at that at certainly at that time, you if you if you were going to try and whitewash that, you're you you were just completely I, wrong. I, 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 we are, so, we are in lockstep yeah. when it comes to that. I know, like, I don't know how much I need to even say this. Yeah, to I get it. I just, I watched that Monday night and I'm like, you have yeah, got it. Was, it was, it was like, I knew it was coming, yep. but it was still so offensive. Yep. It, you know, you know. All right. Hey, before I let you go, we were just talking before you came on the air. I, I don't remember how it came up this week, but there have been all sorts of people. The Lamar Jackson situation. Look, I, it's, it's a bummer to me that we didn't get to see him again at the end of the year to, to see him look a little bit better against the Blitz because, you know, no doubt that was a really rough four-week stretch. I mean, that was rough as hell. But for me, it doesn't change the fact that this is the way it works in the NFL. He's your quarterback. He's ready for a deal. You go give him a boatload of money, and, and knowing what you know about how he's gotten better, you assume he's going to get better against the Blitz moving forward. Um, and if you don't, if you try to play a game with him, if you say, uh, you, we think you got to go back and prove it. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I say, no, nah, you can trade me. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Lamar Jackson. I'm not sure if you're aware. I'm not the guy that needs to sit around and wait for a contract. Where are you with what the Ravens do related to Lamar Jackson? Uh, I think that, you know, again, when you, own, when you have probably 10 franchises that know for sure they have their quarterback, another four or five that think they do, right? So basically half the league maybe, and that may be generous. Um, you don't want to be in the other half. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you, you, you can't win yep. if you're in the other half. Yep. So I think that we know that you can win with Lamar. And the blitz was bad. It was. His recognition of it and the things that were going on by he and the coaching staff, not very good. But I'll also remind you, you know what would have helped there? A run game. Might have been good. And you would have helped the run game if, if, you had your, if you had your two running backs ah. that, that, oh, yeah. that were gone. You're saying huh. that might have been an impact? You know what, you know what might have taken them out of zero? Yeah. They're beating that yeah. with, you know, by, with, with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. So, I mean, the, the reality is that you can say, well, there, there's the blueprint for how to beat them. No. That, and this year with that roster, maybe that's not – you're not going to have that kind of bad luck. You know, hopefully, you know, that's a, that's a once-a-20-year kind of season. In that regard, so I don't. If if you're gonna put all the weight on a four game set, you know you just it's just foolish. And the thing is, I, the Ravens are look. You can say whatever you want about them. Not foolish. They're not. You know they they aren't irrationally. They don't make irrational, fast, thoughtless decisions when it comes to these kinds of things. So they know. Um, I just think one of the. I think the only reason it's not done honestly is because Lamar doesn't have an agent. Right. I think that the complexity that that you have to change the whole way that you operate uh, from the Ravens' perspective, and you just—it's in this camp that is uh, is insular, and you're just not—they don't go by a playbook that you know, so they're just still trying to figure it out. ESP Gilbert, it's at, oh, you know what, Pete? I have to tell you, I got a message from a listener this morning uh, that mm-hmm. I wanted to pass along to you. Uh, please tell your guests not to say "Holy crap, it's offensive." Peter is better than this. That's from yeah. that's from a boy uh, who had cancer. That's from a, a a boy who's been through a lot in his life, and he was listening this morning. He was very offended by your language. So I just uh, his name is it's Chris D who was listening. And so if if you could maybe apologize to him for your language, I'd appreciate that. Chris, I apologize. <laughs> 
I love you, Pat. I'm so happy for you, man. That was that was really cool to to see you get that Thank opportunity. You. Uh, appreciate I you. I appreciate. As always. Thanks for having me on. Talk about Thanks, it. It was fun. It was a bucket list for sure. That's cool, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, buddy. All right. Pete Gilbert, love him, uh, one of our best friends, and uh, it was a really neat moment for him getting to uh, call the game on Sunday, and uh, well-deserved, well-deserved. He is a quality, extraordinarily uh, human being. All right, uh, today's show also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. If you're not playing Underdog, you should start now, underdogfantasy.com, or download the Underdog app. Use the code PRESSBOX, and we will match up to $100 on your first deposit with free money for you to play with. Again, Underdog Fantasy Football, underdogfantasy.com, the Underdog app. There are the daily, weekly fantasy games, but also the player props, the parlays, the things that make you feel like you're betting because for some effing reason we're still not allowed to bet on our phones or on the Internet. It's a weird bit, but you can do it on Underdog Fantasy Football. We'll come back in. Uh, Maryland Athletic Director Damon Evans will join us next. We'll talk about a bowl victory. We'll talk about the coaching search, all of those things with Damon Evans next on GCR. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com the latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Bird, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality pro via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Once again this season, PressBox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune into Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined postgame by your favorite analysts like the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalis, and more. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. PressBox's Project Game Day, every game day presented by Glory Days Grill. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Hey, a very happy 70th birthday to our chief grand poobah here at PressBox, Stan the Fan Charles, who is the man who uh, brought us PressBox. He is responsible for us existing as a company and today he turns 70 years old. What a remarkable career it's been for Stan in uh, Baltimore sports media. And it's ironic we're about to talk some Maryland athletics because last night he and Gary Stein caught up with Steve Suter, of course, Maryland football color analyst. They were talking about the season that the Terps had. If you missed it, you can go to Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, click on the Videos tab, or go to PressBoxOnline.com slash video and see it there. Or if you missed Mike Devereaux chatting with uh, Stan and Ross Grimsley early in the week, you can see both shows in those locations. But a very happy 70th birthday, Stan the Fan Charles. Uh, I know uh, he's uh, he's enjoying it today. Um, it is uh, certainly remarkable, the career that he has had in Baltimore sports media. Joining us now here on Glenn Clark Radio, as we are going to talk a little Maryland athletics, he, of course, is the athletics director at the University of Maryland. Damon Evans is back with us here on GCR. Damon, it's Glenn and Paul. It's great to chat with you as always. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Happy New Year to you. Well, Happy New Year's to you, fellas, and I appreciate you having me on the show. I, I can only imagine uh, how much joy there was throughout the athletic department. It's it's one thing to go win a bowl game. It's another thing to go win by, I think I just did the math, 700 points uh, the way that you guys did in New York last week against Virginia Tech. Um, you know, as someone who's been around, you know, even before you were elevated to athletic director, you've been around this program. There's been a lot that has happened around the football program. We all know that. We can't hide from it. Um, the trajectory that you now feel like you're on and for the country to get to see that a little bit last week, how good did that feel for everyone involved? It really felt great. I really felt good for our student athletes, especially our seniors who had the opportunity to go out with a winning record. Uh, I always think about this, gentlemen. When you look back, that was our first bowl win since uh, 2010. Uh, that was our first winning season since 2014. Uh, that was Mike Loxley's first bowl game. So to go out and, and play a, a former ACC team, a, a regional rival uh, in Virginia Tech, and, and to win in the manner in which we did was very, very exciting. But it sets us forward to continuing to build uh, momentum for our program and, and stay on the right uh, track. So I'm excited for our fans and our team and uh, job well done thus far. You know, what you just alluded to, and I talked about this with Mike Loxley a few weeks ago, Damon, which is, you know, it's it's a good thing, but it's it's obviously it's not a national championship, right? <laughs> like, it's, you know, the, we, we acknowledge what it is, and it's it's a positive thing as you guys are moving forward. You know, how important is it for this to now, th- this to be maybe like the, the standard? This, we, we expect this from Maryland football year in and year out. Well, when I take a look at our program, every program is in a different position, and we all want to win championships. You've got to understand where you are and then develop a plan to, to get to where you want to be. And our goal was, first and foremost, is we've got to get this team bowl eligible. We've got to get this team uh, 
to a point where they start believing that they can win uh, football games, and we did that, uh, making it to the bowl. By no means, we, we don't look at 6-6 six and six and say, oh, that's a great record, and that's the be-all, end-all for us. But we look at it as a step uh, in the right direction right. to continue the process moving forward. I'll also say 7-6 and six is a lot better than 6-6 six and six because now we're at a position of having a winning season. But make no mistake about it, everyone. Uh, we want to win at a high level here, but we understand it takes time. I understand that I have to be patient, and I want us to build it the right way, and I believe that Mike Loxley is doing just that. Damon, I'm going to ask you this question, and I, and I know it's a difficult one to answer because everybody wants, you know, as I just said, everybody wants to win national championships. Everyone wants to win Big Ten championships. Is it, is it, is it possible, you know, is it, can Maryland football really compete against the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Penn States year in and year out in the next five to ten years? I would say this, it's a tall task. Uh, Ohio State, is uh, they've done a tremendous job. Uh, they're a blue blood. You take a look at Michigan, you, Michigan State, and all the other teams in our conference. Uh, I relish the opportunity each year uh, to play them. But I, I always say this, our goal is to get to that level. Our goal is to, we got to believe that we can build a program that can compete with Ohio State. And I do believe that because why do I believe it? We're in a, in a very good area to be able to recruit a lot of top-notch uh, talent. Uh, we put the facilities in place to, to let people know that we're committed uh, to our football program. Uh, we've got a, coot, a coach who's put together, continues to put together a good staff, uh, who has recruited a well, yeah. and it continues to, to coach our, our team up. So, yes, is it a tall task? Is it going to be easy? No. But do I believe that we can get there? Absolutely. He is Damon Evans, Maryland Athletic Director, is with us. We just, you know, it's a, a, I'm editorializing, but I happen to feel pretty strongly about your coach, too. I do, I do think that it's remarkable, the job that he's doing, and, um, and I, I think there's a lot of reason for fans to have faith in that. Um, all right, let's, let's switch over. Obviously, you know, since the last time you and I talked, there's, there's been significant change on uh, the basketball side of things. You know, Damon, something really jumped out at me um, after after you guys and, and Mark Turgeon amicably parted ways. There was this almost strange reaction to me from national media types, from other college basketball coaches that were, were sort of blaming and chiding the Maryland fan base for the reason why Mark Turgeon isn't the coach anymore. I'm sure you saw a lot of this. Um, what was your reaction to really prominent voices throughout the sport that seem to be attacking Maryland fans because of the coaching change? Well, I didn't feel good about that. I, I, I really appreciate our fans. I appreciate the commitment and the passion and the expectations that our, our, our fans have. I think there are a lot of times when you're coaching at this level in the sport of basketball, there are going to be times in which uh, fans are going to show their displeasure. Uh, that's no different here at Maryland than it is anywhere else around uh, the country. So uh, I, I want our fans out there to know that I appreciate them. We appreciate them. Uh, I understand that their their expectations that they have, and, and my job and our job is to, to, to meet those expectations. Um, Turgeon uh, did, did a good job for us. Uh, I appreciate what Turgeon uh, did for the program and how he he led the young men who have who came through while he was the head coach and I want to wish him uh, nothing but the best but at the end of the day and through our conversations together we just both felt that this was in the best interest 
of the University of Maryland, as well as the best interest of him and his family, and, and that's why we came to this conclusion. Is it is it difficult to go through a coaching search when you have someone who is currently leading the program and trying to recruit? And, you know, like, how do you, how do you view Danny Manning versus, you know, the, the set, as you guys said, you're going to do a national search for a basketball coach? Well, I, I'm excited that we have someone of the caliber of Danny Manning uh, leading our basketball program right now. He's been a head coach before, uh, being at Tulsa and at Wake Forest. Uh, his uh, athletic accomplishments speak for themselves, uh, what he did at Kansas and what he uh, did in in the NBA. But, you know, uh, I'm excited because Danny has our team fighting mm-hmm. uh hard, competing. We got a win against uh, Florida. They were ranked 20th at the time. So there's a lot going on, but I just asked him to continue to build our program, keep the focus on our student-athletes, and I know he'll do so, and we'll continue to recruit as best we can. But we understand that when you don't have a permanent coach in place, that leaves things in flux a bit with with the recruits and people uh, knowing whether or not they want to come to our institution. But we'll continue to work hard at it, and I'm just glad that he's the one who's leading us at this time. A lot of people would point out that you know having make you know being in this situation as early as you were, some people would say, well, that should be an advantage to the school, right? Because you have more time to do it. But is that like, are you able to? I'm assuming that most of the guys are going to want to talk to are guys that have jobs. Does it really give you? an advantage in a coaching search to have this be something that that happened in December? Or are you still finding yourself saying, look, we, you know, we, we want to talk to guys, but we're not going to be able to talk to them until the season's over? Well, there, there are some advantages and disadvantages. Uh, one, we've got a long runway. Um, the long runway gives us some time to do our homework, do our due diligence, um, maybe gives us a better opportunity to really find out who is really, really interested in the job. Sure. I, I think that's significant. But also some of the disadvantages are you just have to wait so long. The other thing is that when people at other institutions, if you're an AD at another institution and you start hearing the rumors out there that your coach may be interested in the Maryland job, are they trying to uh, get them a contract extension and, yep. and get them locked up in a big buyout and do things of that magnitude? So I see the pros and cons of it, but uh, at the end of the day, I really just feel this, um, is I just feel that we have a, a great program here that people are going to be uh, really, really attracted to, and we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that we get a high-caliber coach to lead us moving forward. Damon Evans, uh, Maryland Athletic Director, with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Damon, with that in mind, and it's sort of the, the opposite, and I, and I think you kind of alluded to this in what you were talking about a second ago, um, we talked about the difficulty in, in on the football side of things, but it sounds like the way that you're describing it and what you said about the fan base, like, you know, it's, it's, we're about to hit the 20th anniversary of the national championship here uh, coming up in a couple of months. It, are you saying that your expectation is to hire a basketball coach that can bring the program back to that type of level of prominence? Absolutely. Um, I believe that uh, the University of Maryland can win national championships in basketball. We've done it before. Uh, Gary Williams, it was just remarkable, the run that he had. And um, I believe that we have the the recruiting base here in this area. Uh, So, yes, I want to win national championships in basketball. I want to win Big Ten championships in basketball. And there's nothing to make me think that we can't do that here. All right. We, uh, we know, unfortunately, the, the world is still dealing. We're still in the throes of a pandemic. It's just the reality of the circumstances. 
Um, what what does that look like now at the University of Maryland as far as fans coming to games? Um, and and are you concerned at all? You know, we've watched the, the sport has dealt with. You guys have been uh, largely quite fortunate. You had one game scrap, but you were able to replace it with another. As far as men's basketball is concerned, I know the women lost a couple. Um, are you concerned at all about, you know, people have talked about maybe there's a need for a pause to the season, things along those lines, something bigger than just a few games that have been scrapped so far throughout college basketball? Well, I do have concerns uh, about COVID, and, and first and foremost, the health and safety of our student-athletes, our staff, our coaches, and our university community. Uh, obviously, uh, we're back in the throes of it. We thought it was going uh, or dissipating a little bit. Now it's rearing its ugly head again. Um, so, yeah, are there concerns out there? Absolutely. There are going to be challenges that we face, but we've got to continue to fight through those uh, challenges. We here at the University of Maryland, uh, starting with our uh, men's game on Sunday against Wisconsin, we have a new vaccine, vaccination measures that we put in place that will require uh, people for entry into all of our indoor sporting events until further notice to show have proof of vaccination. So we'll move forward in that manner. We're encouraging the use of KN95 masks and so forth. We just think it's important that we look out for everyone's health uh, and safety and know that not everyone agrees with what we're doing. Uh, you make decisions and you move forward, but uh, we'll continue to manage the situation and do the best we can. Are, are you confident right now that as a, as a sport, college basketball is going to be able to get the season in and there's going to be an NCAA tournament? Yeah, yes, I am confident. I think uh, conferences around the country are taking the necessary measures. Um, we're going to have some games that are either canceled, postponed, or, or what have you. Uh, but I, I believe we will find a way and manage our way through this. That doesn't mean that there aren't any more difficult times ahead, but mm -hmm. I think we'll all uh, figure out how to get through this season and do it in the best way possible. And I look forward to the day where we ha get to have a conversation, Damon, and that topic does not come up at all. I will look forward to that day whenever it might be. We have had far too many of those. Damon Evans, uh, Maryland back in action tonight on the road against Illinois, and as he mentioned, uh, the men are home, and the women have a big game tonight too, right? The, big, the women are against Penn State, correct? Yeah, Penn, Penn State tonight for our women's team. Um, our women play tonight at 6 o'clock, so if you're around, come on out. Uh, We've we played a tough schedule on the women's oh, side this year. No question. Stanford and NC State, Baylor, South Carolina, and then um, unfortunate loss to, to Indiana, all of whom were top 10 teams. Uh, Brenda Freeze is willing to go out and play a tough schedule and uh, got a lot of confidence in our program and know uh, at the end of the year we'll be right where we want to be, and that's competing for a na Big Ten title and a national championship. Damon Evans, always appreciate you taking the time for us and uh, answering questions. Look forward to doing this again. You've made yourself quite available, and I do greatly appreciate that. Happy New Year to you. Uh, best of luck moving forward. Health, safety to everybody. Thank you, as always, for doing it. Thank you, guys, and all the best to you. Damon Evans, University of Maryland Athletic Director, checking in with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. Um, and again, Maryland did announce that policy that uh, you will have to prove vaccination status uh, in order to attend uh, indoor events moving forward. And, you know, I think you guys have heard me enough to know that I have no problem with that. And you're just not going to get me to be the guy that, that, that screams and bitches and yells. It's what it is. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. And look, there are other places. I know Towson had the cat. They based in Baltimore County. They're like, we got to cap our capacity at fifty percent. At some point, we'll, we'll see. You know, if if that's something that Maryland has to do moving forward. Right now, they're still going to allow everybody to come out, and that's a big game Sunday against Wisconsin. So there'll be a, a fairly big crowd for that. I know it's not 
You know, it's not quite the same as a year when Maryland's, say, a top 25 team, and, and it would be jam-packed, but there'll be a big crowd, and at some point, I don't know if they're going to have to revisit that. They're trying to do this to prevent that. They, they're trying to say right now, well, if everybody's vaccinated, then you know, we can still have large indoor crowds. So at some point, they might have to change that. We'll see. We'll see. It's just the reality of the circumstances of what we're dealing with. All right. Um, why don't we uh, just push forward here? We can go ahead and call a dailyus, and then we'll take a break after that. Hour number one of today's show is in the books. It's also been brought to you by CCBC. If you need to hone your computer skills to boost your career, or maybe you want an IT certification, CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition-free, from the basics to specialized training. We have the classes you need, from hardware to programming to cybersecurity, and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. It is Ravens Steelers week, and we are preparing for the uh, what we believe is the final game of Ben Roethlisberger's career. And this man was around at the beginning of Ben Roethlisberger's career. Little did he know that day that Gary Baxter uh, took out Tommy Maddox that um, – Things are about to change drastically as far as the AFC North, and I guess at the time, it was was it still the AFC Central at that point? I, I got to think back on what year it switched. Uh, it switched in 2002. Two? It was two. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was the AFC North already. Uh, things are about to change drastically. He is, of course, uh, a Ravens a legend, one of our all-time favorites, uh, a restaurateur, great man. Adelius Thomas is back with us now here on GCR. AD, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing well, but how you guys doing? Everything is good, man. Well, you know, other than the, the like the, the Ravens losing five straight games, that kind of sucks. But yeah, that's tough. Yeah, other than that, things are all right, man. So, so take me back, take me back to that day. Uh, Gary Baxter knocks out Tommy Maddox, and this kid comes in and plays. Did did you did you have any thought at that moment that Ben Roethlisberger, from a football standpoint, as a quarterback, had any chance of becoming the guy that he has proven to be during the course of his career? You know, I can't say that. I think I was too young to even think that far, to be honest. <laughs> you know, uh, we knew that a new quarterback was in, and, you know, it's like blood in the water of sharks. Right. And uh, I will say that Ben uh, have great memories of playing against Ben. He was as big as a linebacker. He was, you know, Ben was like cheap toilet paper. <laughs> He's rough, He's tough, and he didn't take any mess off anybody. It's <laughs> <So. laughs> not bad, by the way. That's not. Is that an Adelius Thomas original, by the way? Uh, man, I don't know. I've heard it before, right. so I can't give credit to the person because I've been trying to get it to the wrong. But <laughs> uh, that's the first time somebody that probably applied it to a football player. You, you know, was there was there a moment? Was there? Remember, you know, the second game that season, they ended up beating you guys at the end of the year. I don't know you guys were kind of going through it at that point. But was mm-hmm. there was there any particular moment, any particular game, anything he did where it struck you like, oh man, like this this guy's different? It, it, he, you know, he had the they had the street ball mentality uh, because most of the time the first tackler that was trying to t- sack him never really got him down, and so it was like they created a system where whenever he got free. One person would do one thing. One, you know, he kind of created the whole um, scramble type deal uh, when they had, you know, you know, he went. They had Jerome Bettis. They had um, Zeroway. They had all, all these different backs that came up. Then they had Parker. 
And so he had these running backs, and then he had play action off of that. Then he had Heinz Ward, he had Plexico. So he had the um, talent around him. And so with him being so rough and tough and being like being able to shake guys off and being so big, you know, I knew then it was going to be an issue that he became accurate with the ball. He had a running game uh, early in his career, so it gave him a chance to kind of develop and grow um, into a lot. And so he really came his own by just continuing and then having a, a, a very sound structure of the Steelers who, you know, always had a, a great coach from Cower, um, yeah. then going on to the, the coach that he has now. and um, Mike Tomlin, yeah. yeah. Mike Tomlin. Yeah, of course. And so um, those, you know, those are the only – that's the structure. You know, when you have a coach that's there so long, when you look at it, you know, the Ravens have Coach Harbaugh, the Steelers have uh, Tomlin, you got, you know, the Patriots got Bill. And so you have those places that are like – staples these are the this is the foundation and so your structure doesn't change or anything like that and so there is um uh, there's the structure of him knowing the system being able to go through it having the same head coach that gives you that sound especially for a young quarterback coming in and then he had veterans around him like jerome bettis uh heinz ward plexico uh fanica uh, all of you know then he had Pouncey. so he's had a great um I guess segue into him becoming the leader. He didn't have to kind of take it on his shoulders all at once. He is Adelius Thomas. He's with us here on GCR. Adelius Thomas is an important trivia answer in Ben Roethlisberger's career. Adelius, I'm sure you know why. Do you? The first pick six he threw. The first, I, I mean, was it a, it, was it a pick six? Yeah, that's right. It was a pick six. It was the first yeah, interception pick, yeah. for. First interception okay. for sure of Ben Roethlisberger's career in that game in Baltimore in 2004 belonged to Adelius Thomas. I don't know this about you. Were you the type that kept balls when you got an interception? I, I did. So I always you, kept my balls when I got an interception. And so it would be around here somewhere uh, under the Steelers with Steelers painted on it and – it will have interception on it. So you've got that ball, which I'm sure there would be plenty of people in Baltimore who'd be willing to to, to 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 pay a pretty price for it at this point. You've managed to hold on to that one. Is is there is there a is I, I'm trying to think of all the interceptions you've had in your life. You end up being teammates, of course, with Tom Brady. Is there a more prominent quarterback that you picked off at any point in your career? Um would it been did I pick I no, I scooped and scored on Aaron Rodgers. Okay. That's pretty significant. Um, yeah. Did you ever get Peyton at all? I don't know if I got Peyton. I sacked Peyton. Um, I sacked Brett Favre. I'm trying to see if Brett Favre had a um, a pick. Also, I don't think I had one with the Jets. But I know I sacked him on that one. I think, you know, Ben Roethlisberger would definitely Might be, be the, up there. the most prominent quarterback you ever intercepted. Might be the case. Yeah. And, and that way is – so so where are you – what are the balls that you have that mean the most to you? Like you say you got all of them. Like what are the ones that stand out that you're like, this one maybe I would I, – I, I care a little bit more about it than maybe some of the other ones. Uh, the Pro Bowl, my first Pro Bowl. Okay. Where you get all the guys to sign it, um, you know, and the helmet that kind of – went with it and then I would say I would say not a football but a jersey the jersey of the 2007 um 
when I went no, to New England and we went undefeated. undefeated you yeah, have, you have Junior Seau in there with me, Teddy Bruschi, um, Mike Vrabel, who's you know with the Titans doing well, um, like Roosevelt Colvin and myself, um, and we did the cover of Sports Illustrated. But we had a jerseys made with 07 on it, and all of us signed it. I mean, uh, all right, that, very, that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's, a bit, that's I mean, a, yeah. from a history standpoint, when you think about the Junior Seau, you know, his tragic ending of his life and yeah. the tale of that is, is, you know, crucial. But from a Baltimore standpoint, I would say the Super Bowl year, um, we signed, all of us signing my, our first Super Bowl um, back when I, my rookie year, all of the guys signing the football, and I have that football. Uh, by the way, it wasn't a pick six. It was just an interception. McAllister got the pick six later in the game. That was the first oh, okay. pick six. So that, but still, the first interception that Ben Roethlisberger ever threw. So you know, he'll you'll always have that over him, no matter what he yeah, does. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm the reason he got better. Right, <laughs> exactly right. He should. Well, I, Baxter said the other. We we put Gary on him, and Gary said he still never. He owes me a steak dinner still to this day because he never would have been Ben Roethlisberger if Gary hadn't knocked him out and knocked out Tommy Maddox in that game in order to let right. him play. Um, yeah, take me. I, I got this. You know, it's it's funny. I got this message from somebody the other day, just a listener who said, "Glenn, could you argue that there never would have that what we know today as Ravens Steelers." never happens if not for Ben Roethlisberger. That for as great as the Ravens' defense was, for as great as Jerome Bettis and, and Joey Porter and, and Troy Palomalu, James Harrison, all those guys were, of course, everybody remembers, and, and you know, that the, the rivalry was Ravens-Titans, right? Like, that was the rivalry until Ben Roethlisberger sort of took over and that kind of ignited Ravens-Steelers. Do you think there's anything relevant to that, that if not as great of players as on were both sides, that there really wasn't Raven Steelers as we know it until Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback. Mm, I can't give him that much. All right, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I can't. I mean, because you got to remember when Cordell Stewart was there, he he gave us hell. When Cordell Stewart was there, he gave us hell because he, he just had the ability to, to make those impromptu plays, scramble, make people miss. And so um, I, I would give him a lot of credit, but – you know, I, I can't say that it wouldn't be because Tim, yeah, the fact that the players, when you think about all the other players, Hines Ward, Ian yeah. Reed, Bettis, Ray Lewis, um, the tight end that they had there. Keith before, Miller, um, yeah. Keith Miller, uh, you know, Suggs. All of those were matchups, the D-line versus the front line. You know, Pittsburgh ran the ball. We stopped the run. Like all of those things, this when this goes back to when two backs were still in style. So that goes to show you that it's only maybe three, four teams that still run two back, you know, in their offense prominently. So from you know San Francisco to Baltimore, other than that, you can't when you think about two backs being in the backfield. Yeah, with a true fullback, you don't have more than I, I would say three at yeah, the most. That's fair. Yep. And so that goes back to when you had that, you know, Fred Taylor in the backfield, Harrison Hurst, you know, when those guys, all of those, those were the times when, you know, you had Mark Brunel and all those. So the time has changed as offense evolved to this passing, the rules changed. Even from the Heinz Ward hit, you know, we used to blindside people and say, mm-hmm. oh, Heinz Ward is tough. No, you're not. You're not tough. Any, I can get a local high school guy to blindside somebody. <laughs> that's not being tough, you know. So that 
again is you know truly um, oh boy uh, as though Ben is a great dad a great career had great moments I would not give him the credit that the robbery would not be um, as good as it is because I don't feel that no one player is bigger than the robbery of Pittsburgh I guess you call them Steelers. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. I guess you, you weren't – based on what you just said, I guess you weren't all that sad when you found out that Heinz Ward didn't make the finalist list for the Hall of Fame this year. I'm, I'm guessing that didn't – you didn't shed a tear over something like that. It's... Um, yeah, that would be <laughs> not on my list. You know, that would be a little farther down past getting a drink of water. <laughs> You know, a lot of people forget, too, that first game that Roethlisberger played in, that was the same game as the Porter hit on Heap. It was it was the same game where Joey Porter took the cheap shot on Todd Heap in that 2004 matchup. That, wow. Yeah, uh, Todd Heap uh, told me for a while he would not look at Joey Porter. He would, like, It took him a long time to be willing to have a conversation with him over the years. Uh, yeah, I understand it. AD, give me, the, uh, give me your thoughts. Uh, Ravens fans, um, what – their what their reaction should be on Sunday, right? Like it's you know it's gonna be you know there'll be a moment where Ben Roethlisberger comes out. I don't know if the Ravens are gonna do put something on the board, but there's been a lot of talk this week. Should Ravens fans put the rivalry aside and 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 no. clap? For, okay, no, no, hell no. <laughs> Listen, we can give him his standing ovation at the end of the game when the game is over. Like players shake hands, hey man, nice playing against you, whatever it is. Before the game, after the game, I mean, during the game, you means absolutely nothing to me. I will have sportsmanship after I beat your tail. <laughs> Hell no. We're not giving you any. Don't give him no thing up on the sign. Don't, no. No. When the thing is over, when the game is over or whatever it is, and you want to say, hey, Ben, thank you for the great, you know, Rivalry and keeping the rivalry going, or whatever it is, when the game is over, and you want to flash that up with like four or five seconds or whatever it is, and they want to take him out of the game, and the game has already been decided, and you want to, the competition part is over. If you want to do that, I'm all for that. I, I, I like the sportsmanship or showing, you know, a classy move. I agree with that. But I am not about to honor you in my stadium when I'm trying to win to have a chance to go to the playoffs. Are you crazy? <laughs> By the way, I love this because I, I let I, I had Kadri on yesterday, and he said, "Are you kidding me? You stand up and boo the shit out of him. That's what you do." <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. it's so good, man. That is so good. Ad, remind everybody what you uh, what, what's what's going on in your world. Um, uh, Grill Six Twenty is still. I'm. Yep. I'm yep. Very. Hey, man. Grill Six Twenty. We're still open. Listen, people with all of the craziness going on. Go to grill620.com. You can order carry out. You don't have to get out your car. We'll come out, bring it to you. We still have brunch. So come out. We are open for dinner. You can come in and dine, have a great experience, um, get you some oysters on the half shell, see one of the bartenders with Miss Tori, Tammy, Chelsea, any of those guys. Go to grill620.com, though, if you want to have it relaxed at your home due to some of the things that are going on in the world. Yeah. But whatever you do, visit us. We'd love to have you. Oh, and the brunch is unbelievable. It's just unbelievable at Grill 620. At Thomas on Twitter. AD, love you, brother. Appreciate you as always. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning, right, dude. Thanks for having me, guys. AD, checking in with us here on GCR.
That's so funny. They are. It's the rivalry is real to them. It sounds like a professional wrestling fan, right? <laughs> like it's still real to me. Damn it. I love it. I love it. I, I love I, it. That does. So, it really does. So like right. Like <laughs> like you can feel it in there. Uh, my buddy Bobby Trossett from WBL saw the. He wasn't listening yesterday, and he saw the um, the quote from Kadri getting thrown around, and he was like. But he was saying that like tongue in cheek, right? And I'm like, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I said, bro, you go listen. And he takes me back after he listened. He's like, holy crap. I'm like, yeah, dude. <laughs> like, it's not, there's no sarcasm involved. Like, it's real to them. They really genuinely are bothered by the idea of Ravens fans cheering for Ben Roethlisberger. Now, Adelius said, look, look, when the game is over, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you want to... You want to do something for him, that's fine. But the idea, the thought that I've had is that, like, before the game starts, maybe during the first time out, the Ravens will do a, something on the video board. And, yes, I tend to line up with all of you guys who think it'll be a mix of, you know, all the times that he got sacked or interceptions, and then at the end with a nice sentiment from someone, whether that's Ray Lewis, John Harbaugh, a video message from someone that says, you know, Ben, appreciate the, the role you've played and what's been a great rivalry, best of luck in retirement, something. That's that's what I – and I'm not I, – I haven't bothered to ask because the Ravens are trying to keep this one close to the vest, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, I haven't bothered to ask because they're not going to tell me, frankly. They're not going to tell anybody because they don't – they're just keeping it close to the vest. Um, but that's my that's my gut is that it would happen early on in the game. To Dalius Thomas's point, like, there's a game to be played. Right. Cheering, cheering Ben Roethlisberger. There's a game to be played. Hell no, you don't do that. No, it is real to them. No, knowing the Ravens' um, video staff and yeah. all the videos they put out there are just so fantastic. I, yeah. really, I, 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 I know they have something planned. Um, yeah. Ryan Mink was on a on uh, was on earlier today on a different show, mm. and he basically alluded to the fact that there's something in the works. I'm, um, for me, I, I I'm not going to be at the game. I can't justify right. going. Can't justify spending that kind of money. Um, but I really hope we get a chance to see it if we're not at the game. Oh, I imagine I, it'll be on social pretty quick. I imagine yeah. they'll. I mean, because people can also film it in the stadium and right. put it up. So I think the Ravens will put it up on social pretty quick. You also, uh, because you and and a lot of other people are alluding to the fact that without Ben Roethlisberger, once his career is over, maybe this rivalry isn't the same. And I'm not. You know, it's funny because Rob had. I was on Rob's show last week, and we talked about this, and I said, it's already not the same. Mm. In part because football's changed. The, the, what we associate with Raven Steelers, and Dalius was just talking about this, that type of football doesn't exist anymore. So Raven Steelers has already changed, but yet Raven Steelers has still been, you know, focused games on the schedule. And some of the more classic recent Raven Steelers games, unfortunately, they went the Steelers' way, were, were high scoring games, right? Those late season games where the Steelers broke the Ravens' hearts and the extension, the whole deal, right? right. They were higher scoring games. It's different, but still significant. Mm-hmm. It's definitely changed. Right. This is not the Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, Ed Reed era, you know, oh, it Heinz never will be it's, again. It's not, it, and it can't be. But, you know, the Bengals could throw a wrench. Like, I never believed in the Browns thing. I just right. thought everybody was getting carried away. But Joe Burrow's that good. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow's that good. The Bengals could absolutely put a wrench into the prominence of Raven Steelers moving forward. Well, and, and to that point, if the Steelers get another really good yes, quarterback, then, then, it, then, then it's the same. hundred percent. It's back on, and those games will mean something. It's just that, like, it was always going to be Ravens and Steelers, mm-hmm. and the Bengals are so good. Like, again, the Bengals are so good at quarterback and wide receiver that if they can keep Joe Burrow healthy, 
it's hard for me to fathom that they're not a major part of this story for the next five to ten years. It's really difficult to look at that. Dude, Joe Burrow's unbelievable. It's not because he faced a second-string Ravens secondary. He's just an unbelievable football player. He's really good. If they can keep him healthy, it is really difficult to think that they are not a major part of the story moving forward and that those games are going to be as significant, if not more, uh, moving forward. Oh, absolutely. All right, KZ, I know you're ready. I'm sorry. I know he's already hopped on the meeting. We're going to get to him next. We're going to make our picks. We'll get some fantasy thoughts. Ken Zalis will join us here on GCR. Today's show also brought to you by the Best of Issue of Pressbox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms and in the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. And you can read it all for free, pressboxonline.com slash bestof, uh, including Justin Tucker, our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year. It's available right now. We're back in with KZ next, Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com from all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. 
Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have you Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. Today's show brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. Thanks again to Damon Evans and Adelius Thomas for joining us in our last segment as we roll along here on a Thursday edition of the program. We're gonna make some picks in just a second. Is uh, is KZ? We where is he? Good. We ready? He's there. Excellent. Ken Zalis. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Mm. I'm good. Hey. How are you guys today? I'm all right. I'm all right. So I said we'll do a little bit of fantasy just because if you're still if you're playing fantasy football in week 18 of the NFL season, again, it's like I tell KZ about drafting right now. Seek help. Um, although, frankly, if you're picking games in week 18 of the NFL season, seek help because who knows who's trying and who isn't trying. What are the biggest storylines for you, for the people that are playing maybe you know weekly fantasy games or for whatever psychopathic reason are playing actual fantasy football in week 18 of the year? Uh, you know, I guess the, the biggest headline is that you're not going to have any Bengals. Uh, Burrow is, is, is out. Um, he's going to rest his knee that he got banged up at the, at the end of last week's game. Joe Mixon is out with COVID and, and COVID is really the biggest thing right now. Um, you know, uh, you know, locally in the game, uh, in Baltimore, uh, Deontay Johnson just went on the COVID list, uh, a couple moments ago. Uh, so he may miss the game and, and with the new rule, it's, it's kind of, I, I don't understand exactly when you can, come back and test test out of it right. um, and vaccine stuff like that. But I mean, that's, it's really, if you're playing fantasy football in week 18, the biggest thing is who's playing, who's not, what games matter, what games don't. And you got to continue to pay attention to, to the COVID situation because it's not getting better uh, anytime soon. Um, you know, you look at, you'll get a team like green Bay, uh, this week, and I, I don't. What do you get? You get Aaron Rodgers and and, and that crew for a series, maybe, maybe two. Yeah. Um, and, and that's my that's my biggest thing with fantasy football in week eighteen or what used to be week seventeen is like, I, look, I, there could be twenty weeks I want to play fantasy football. I enjoy playing the game, but it, to to have it come down to who's playing and who's not playing because the game means something to this team. It doesn't mean something to that team. Uh, we try to take, look, you need some luck to win a fantasy football championship. I don't want it to be all luck um, at the end of the day. And, and that's my biggest problem here. So we're looking for games that matter. We're looking at, uh, you know, Kansas city, uh, you know, to, is it better to use uh, Brian Pringle, the third wide receiver for Kansas city, or Devontae Adams? I hate that question. No, it's re- is it better to use but Gardner Minshew? Wait, is it better to use Gardner Minshew or Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> right. I mean, and that's the other thing. I mean, are we are we getting Jalen Hurts? Are we getting are we getting are we getting Gardner Minshew? Right. 
things like that. It's just a lot of things we don't know. Um, I think you're looking, you, you try to look to some people, to, who do they want to get a look at some rookies they want to get a, a, a better look at that maybe haven't played as much um, and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, is Jimmy Garoppolo coming back or do we get another week at Trey Lance, who, by the way, looked really, really good uh, last week and especially for fantasy got it done. So uh, that's the things we it's going to come down to. You know, Saturday late afternoon, who's in, who's out, you know, and things like that. All right. Um, I'm sure you're still going to su- submit a uh, underdog lineup though this week. If I know you, you're still yeah. Gonna we'll fig- have we'll have uh, we'll have uh, underdog lineups and uh, some other lineups uh, available later today when that comes Very out. Very good. You can find that at pressboxonline.com. All right. With that in mind, let's make our picks for the week. Uh, it was a good week for your boy last week because for some stupid reason, none of the rest of you decided to just pick Georgia and Alabama. I have no idea why that's the case. I have no idea what was running through y'all's minds, but it was great news for me because I got two points there. And because I got two points there, I've extended my lead on both KZ and uh, the late Kyle Ottenheimer. I am three games up on both of them now at the top of the table. Uh, John Proctor was making a charge and got back within seven, but now he's 10 games back. And uh, Andrew Stecka is also competing. And so it's almost certain. This is our last full week of picks. After this, there is this week of nine games to pick. And then there ain't that much. There's like 13 total games the rest of the year. So we got 21 games left. I think if, wait, wait, 22, 22 five games left for the rest of the season um, for Andrew Stecka to try, try to close an eight-game gap on John Proctor. I don't feel great about his chances. I'm pretty sure Andrew Stecka is going to be sitting in here. Fly, by the way, the, he has to fly home. He has to fly across the country in a pandemic to get his back waxed and eat a tarantula and well, sing. Welcome home, buddy. Yeah, right? Like... That now he'll probably what he did last year is he was smart. He scheduled it around my the party that I throw every summer. He scheduled it around the pig roast so he could at least like have some enjoyment during his trip home. And if he's smart, he'll do that again this year. But my God, um, the uh, just the <laughs> like I've got to pay. You have to pay money to fly back across the country in order to get your back waxed and eat a tarantula. It is just the height. Uh, the epitome of brutality. Glenn, Glenn, yes. Glenn, wasn't most of this his idea, though? Uh, it was Mrs. Stecka's idea, actually. It was Mrs. Who, right. uh, I believe, is going to fly back with him in order to okay. be the one to wax his back because she she's very happy about how poorly he's performed in this. She's like, this man has made my life hell. Let's wax his back Correct. and made him eat something gross. No, she doesn't care about that. It's the back wax. She asked that we do the back waxing bit. Because she's made a statement about Mr. Stetka's uh, back. So the good news is th- this has been wonderful news for Jen Stetka. She's been very happy about how this season has gone. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, continue the exercise, plan for a little bit of t- cash at the top of the table uh, to avoid being the one who has to pay the penalty at the bottom of the table. Uh, today's sh- uh, picks are also brought to you by Glory Days Grill, where the Comfort Classics are still available on their seasonal menu. It includes the house-made meatloaf, the grilled meatloaf sandwich, the short rib grilled cheese, the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, the smoky thigh wings with the Alabama barbecue sauce, the Brussels and bacon, and more. Glory Days Grill. 
Grill.com. Get your order in. Pick up some food. Take it home with you. What do you? What it's you, just like mouthwatering. I know. Every time I read that list, yeah, I'm, I'm just, just like, I'm just I, yes, like, I got to go. It's yes to everything. It's yeah, literally right. like, yeah, that sounds good, and that sounds good, too. And Oh, God, and that sounds good as well. And yet there are still things, like they do that um, short rib burger blend, and like every time I go to Glory Days, that's what I want. Like, I want that, right? So I forget I wanted to order everything on this menu mm. because I was like, I just get the same thing I always get when I go to Glory Days, which I do quite frequently and i have throughout the course I of was, my life no joke i haven't i haven't eaten yet today and i was i was feeling fine i legitimately until you just I, I until i did that pangs. read yeah I have those hunger pangs right now yeah that's the way it works that's the way it works all right uh where we uh oh there is we're gonna do the month i know it's monday night we don't like doing monday night but it's the last college game of the year so let's start there all right you have a national championship game number three georgia bulldogs number one alabama crimson tide uh 8 p.m monday night on espn the line is georgia by three. This is an eternal betting question, right? Like, I I get why Georgia's favored. We all thought they were the better team all season long. But then we saw these two teams play. Right. It, it feels almost reckless. You're getting points with Alabama. How do you not pick them? How do you not take the points with Alabama? It almost is the point where it, it kind of comes off as stinky because of it, and you're like, no, you have to take Georgia because it's insane that they're getting it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bite Alabama. You give me points there. I know it's not much. I know it's three, so like the, the likelihood of this being a one- or a two-point game is slim, so it's not likely to help you all that much. It's, it's essentially picking an outright winner. You, you do have the chance of getting the push. I'm going to go with Alabama. So I agree with just about everything you said, and and – I last week did not uh, pick Alabama. Uh, Silly goose. Which was dumb. I, it was dumb, but you're trying to win some money. And I, there weren't many games last week I thought we would be different on. And when this line came out, I thought, I was like, it actually came out, I think it was two or one and a half. Georgia yeah. was I'm like, I was stunned by it. I'm like, they're just begging you to take Alabama. Like, like they're not dumb people in Vegas. They're like begging people to take Alabama. Now it's up to three. They're just begging. I mean, they, they just want all this late money on Alabama. So I'm going to take Georgia. All right. All right. Yeah, it's uh, KZ and Proctor on Georgia. Ooh. Else took, took well, actually, Bama. Proctor's it's not a bad Stecca. I got Stecca on my side. I don't like that. <laughs> That's not good news. All right. Uh, let's get into the NFL games, which is a lot of fun this week because we have no idea who's no actually idea. playing in any of these games. Zero idea. Is it, by the way, if this is the week – that causes you to lose money. It's so it's God, it's so embarrassing if this ends up being the week. Go uh, ahead. All right. So on Saturday at four thirty, uh, you have the Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos. The line is Kansas City by ten. And the assumption being that Kansas City, if Tennessee were to lose, which seems unlikely, but if Tennessee were to lose, they still have the chance of being the number one seed. So the assumption is that Kansas City is going to try. Now, if the Tennessee game becomes a blowout at the half, right? Like, if you get the halftime and Tennessee's up 31-7, to and I'm not suggesting they will be, but let's just say... Who are they playing against? They're playing Houston. Oh, yeah. There is the possibility that at that point that the Kansas City looks and says, well, let's try to get some... we got to play next week. Let's try to get some guys out of this game. But I don't, I don't think I see Tennessee blowing out Houston to the extent that they can make that decision. And so because of it... I feel pretty good about the Chiefs coming off a loss, wanting to make a statement, and the Broncos, 
you know, God bless them for finding a way to even be mediocre this season, considering how little they have, right? Like, they were a decent team all year. It's their defense. Their defense is really good. I'm, I want to be fair about that. But, you know, they you kind of saw them come apart a week ago against the Chargers. I just don't like anything about it. Give me the chi. Houston did beat Tennessee earlier this year. They did. I'm very – and look, Houston's played – has been much better since Davis Mills has been their quarterback. There's no question about that. He wasn't great a week ago, obviously, but they have been better as a whole since Davis Mills has taken over. Yeah, I I, I think uh, I think the Broncos have tea times all set up. Yeah. Um, they've all of a sudden not been able to run the oh, ball. Oh, by the way, the game's on Saturday, so they won't even know. I totally forgot about that. There's yeah. no way for Kansas City to know. Of course they're going to try. What am I talking about? Yeah. Yep, 100%. <laughs> sorry. I didn't catch that either. So. Yep, my bad. But Go I'm going to take Kansas City. I'm going to take Kansas City because the Broncos, the one thing they did well was run the ball. They can't do it anymore. I think they're just ready for this season to be over and possibly – uh, have a new regime in charge uh, next year. Clean sweep. Everybody took Kansas City. All right, your next game, uh, 8-15 Saturday night, the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles. Dallas favored by seven. How do you pick this game? How, how uh, it, it, is there, there really is a chance this is Cooper Rush versus Gardner Minshew, right? Yep. So how do you pick this game? It could also be uh, Cooper Rush, by the way. For what that's, that's what I, that's what I said. Cooper Rush versus Gardner Minshew, right? Like it's 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 totally plausible. Must see, must see TV. It's a good yeah. thing they they put this on national. Saturday yeah, this is a big national game on Saturday night. Um, I think because it's plus seven, you have to bite on the Eagles because there's just such a great unknown to, as to which team is even going to tr- look. If it ends up being Dak Prescott versus Gardner Minshew, you're going to feel pretty silly about biting on the Eagles, but. I just don't see who's trying here. And in a game where I don't know who's trying all that hard, if one team's getting seven points, give me the team that's getting seven points. So Philadelphia. Does the seeding not matter to either team at this point? Like, are they locked in? It, the seeding matters so much less with there only being one bye. If you're right. not the number one seed, trying to make a significant argument, the difference in being the, the two, the three, or the four, it, it it's very hard to, to fathom what what is so... Are you so much better off thinking ahead to a potential divisional round matchup against Green Bay versus it being against who, who, am I, who would be the other one there? It being the Rams Arizona. or Arizona. Probably more likely the Rams in the division round, right? Like, right. are you really trying – is it is it worth the trade-off of resting your guys for a week right. to face L.A. or to face Green Bay instead of L.A. in the divisional round should you get there? I, I just – I don't see any reason – if it's the difference in you winning your division and having the game at home, I think you try. If it's the difference in getting the number one seed, I think you try. But the difference between the two, the three, and the four right now, or between the five, the six, and the seven, it's very difficult to sell me on why that's significant at the moment. So your pick is Philadelphia? Philadelphia, because yeah. they're getting the points. Yeah, yeah um, this was the one game that was the easiest for me to pick because in a game that, <laughs> excuse me, that I have no idea who's actually going to be playing in it, I'll take the team that's getting points. Right. And so I took Philly and, and that was, that was, it had nothing to do with football. It's just like, I don't know who's going to play. Yep. So, you know, give me seven, seven points is pretty significant in this day and age. So I'll take the seven. Yeah. Uh, everybody, but Proctor took Philadelphia. So he's a lone wolf on Dallas. Sure. God, God bless. Good, good news for me that I'm picking the same way as the guys that are competing with me. Um, next game, Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns, Sunday, uh, 1 p.m. on Fox. Cleveland by six. See, I don't get this either because neither quarterback is playing. So, C- 
Cleveland's giving six points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Bur- Burrow isn't playing. I know, but there's word out of Cincinnati that they, they may not play full games with their stars. I, I hear you, but I don't, have you seen the Browns? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> could they be could they be worse with a different quarterback? I, I mean, it's a fair. I understand what you're saying, Who's but the backup in Cincy. Uh, is it still Finn? Uh, Brandon Allen, right? Oh, Allen, right. Brandon exactly. Allen. Brandon is he Allen. better Brandon than Allen. Case Keenum? Case Keenum? No. Right. Do, do you know that? <laughs> like, yeah, do you know do. that? Are you yes. willing to go six points on that? I I get the argument. I, is, I get the argument. The argument that you're making is that at some point during the game, the Bengals legitimately say, we're just running the ball and trying to run the clock out. That we're not even attempting to be competitive. Mm. We we've seen the Ravens do this in some end of season games in the past, like where they just literally say, "We care so little about this that we're not even feigning interest in football esque things. We're just going to turn, hand the ball off to Chris Evans or Samaj P. Ryan, and try to get the clock down to zero." And that, for whatever reason, the Browns care a little bit. Now, why the Browns care a little bit, I I don't know either. But I'm going to do the same thing I did before. Give me the team that's getting the points. Give me Cincinnati in this situation. Yeah, I went the other way because I don't think Cincinnati put the competitive football team on the field this week. Um means nothing to them. Well, not a competitive football team is what we would describe what we saw from the Cleveland Browns on Monday night. They have Nick Chubb. Give me Nick Chubb. Okay. All right. It's you and and uh, Kyle on Cincinnati. Kyle, when he sent me his pick, he said, I'm taking Cincinnati, but I'm assuming that the line is wrong here. Like, he thinks that, that there was a mistake and that Cincinnati should be favored by six. And I checked. I double-checked. It's Cleveland the, the by six. The lines don't make sense because we don't know. Like, it's... it's we Ky- don't know. Yeah, we just we have no we idea. Know. We're what- throwing darts to the dartboard. I don't. If, if the Ravens are really favored by five and a half points, that's nuts <laughs> to me. But I, the week lines for week uh, eighteen are regularly nonsensical. It's very difficult to do this in week eighteen. For the record, the number is definitely Browns minus six. So yeah, it's what it is. You're right. Everything's good. Yeah. Next. All right, Indianapolis Colts at the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, on Sunday at one p.m. on CBS. Indianapolis by 15 and a half. I get it. Indianapolis has something to play for, right? right? Like this is this is this is a scenario where the Jacksonville is an utter dumpster fire. Indianapolis has something to play for in week 18. Mm-hmm. So you have to, everybody is assuming that Indianapolis is going to win. You have to find a number to get somebody to bet Jacksonville here. So you have to make the number so absurd that their fans are showing up to the game wearing clown costumes. Like the it, the situation in Jacksonville is insane. So is the line. The line is insane. Because at some point during the course of the fourth quarter, you look up and you're up by 27 points, and you just don't have to try all that hard. And it doesn't take much for a game that's a 27-point game to all of a sudden at the end of the game be a 13-point game, and you were still never threatened, you never needed to worry all that much, and you didn't cover but you're not going to get me to be the guy that's betting on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Give me the calls. <laughs> but but if I mean if you go on the the Twitter machine, I mean everybody's all all about Jacksonville pulling this upset in Ravenland. No, everybody is pointing out this bizarre scenario where Jacksonville. Yeah, you know, I, 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 nobody I actually the believes they're thing. going. Nobody believes they're going to yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, they're not because here's what they're going to do. 
they're going to hand the ball 50 times to Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, right, right. And, I mean, I, I, look, I, I know it's, it, it's fine. I don't know. I don't know south of 30 points what it would have taken me to not take the Colts here. Because have you seen Jacksonville the last oh, two it's, weeks? It's like, insane. They're not trying at all. Yeah, it's really At bad. all. They've lost their best player in, in Robinson. Uh, they've ruined Lawrence this year. Uh, it's They're just ready to go home, and the Colts will send them that way. All right, Stecka, the only one, the lone wolf. I mean, why not? It's the line is nuts. Why not? If you're Andrew Stecka and you're down by a if billion you're points, Stecka, right. if you're Stecka, I, I, I just say, give me the opposite of everybody else. Well, you can't, and we don't allow yeah. you to do that until like the final. I know. Yeah. I know. Right. All right, your next game: New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins on Sunday at four twenty-five. CBS. New England by six and a half is the road dogs. Wait. New England is is getting six and a half. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean the Colton Road Dogs. As a team on the road, they're they're no, no, they're, they're that's they're what favored they by six and a half. No, New England's favored by six and a half. Yeah, on this sheet it says Miami uh, six and a half. What am I missing here? Uh, Stecka might have screwed it up. Yeah, Miami's getting the six and a half. Stecka screwed it up on our back end. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. You win the yeah, back end. Right, the back end. Uh, all right, so New England six and a half point favorites on the road. New England still very much has something to play for because um, they have not officially clinched their playoffs. Or no, they did, but they still have the division to play for. They could mm-hmm. still win the division. Yeah, that's what they still have to play for. If Buffalo were to lose, they could still win the division. So that's like I get it. It seems very unlikely that um, that Buffalo would lose to the Jets, but it's still enough to play. <sighs> Miami is such a weird thing, right? Because Six and a half, if this game was a week ago and the number was six and a half, you would say, I don't, that doesn't, give me the, give me Miami with the points, right? Not that I think that they're going to win, but that's a, that's a large number for a Miami team that's been good. How devastating was last week to Miami as a whole, right? Like how much are they able to get up off the canvas or was that the gut punch that sort of wrecks them? And a team that's trying this week will come in and beat them. They did beat the Patriots week one before losing and seven straight, and it could be the the pride of sweeping the Patriots. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but that that to me doesn't play a whole lot. But I just don't think that Miami's seven points worse than New England on the whole. I think New England at at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think New England has more to play for. I think they're more inspired, but I think this is a four point game ultimately. So I'm going to take Miami here. So I went back and forth here because the one thing that the Miami Dolphins do in any year is play the Patriots tough. We have seen over the last, I'm going to say, five years, much worse Dolphin teams upset the the Patriots, play them close. They won on that miracle play a couple of years ago. Um, And at home, they always give the Patriots a time. I'm going to take New England here. New England can win this division. And they're playing, they're running the ball well. Miami, I think that was a devastating loss, not only just because it knocked them out of the playoffs, but just the way that the loss occurred. I think they're done mentally and going for next year. Uh, Two is going to be the quarterback next year, no matter what you hear in the offseason. Um so I'm going to take the Patriots. You keep saying that. I'm. I'm. I don't. I don't. If if Deshaun Watson is is able to play, I am still of the belief that they're in the market <clears> for Deshaun Watson. I, I. I think it's it's that. Like I think it's very similar to the Cleveland situation where to move on from your guy, you've got to do better. And if they can 
appease the Deshaun Watson stuff, you know, on the other front, and I, I would not be the team doing it. But if they can do that, they would absolutely be able to say this is better than what we have. Um, but I think that's the only way that you go about doing it. Glenn Lone Wolf Clark on Miami. That. How Ooh. about that? Ooh. How about that? Yeah. A risk I don't Surprising. need to be a risk I don't need to be taking with a three game. No, <laughs> probably not. Probably not right now. Hey. All right. All right. Watch that be the game to decide it. Don't. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't you put that, that on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't say that. Uh, San Francisco 49ers at the LA Rams on Sunday at 425 on Fox. Rams by four. So the Rams, um, you know, they, they they still haven't clinched the division. And I know, like, they have struggled against the 49ers. But there's just something about this right now. Like, it's, I, th- I think it may be just because of us talking to DeMarco Farr last week and how significant they are treating this game out there. Like, they have to get over this hump with the 49ers. Mm. I'm buying into the Rams this week. And I've been reluctant to buy into the Rams all season. They did not look great against the Ravens. And, like... I think for a lot of people, that was maybe a reminder of why it is tough to buy into them. But I, I, for some reason, I have this gut feeling that they've got something to prove this week, that they care more than a lot of teams would about this scenario, and they want to make sure they win this game and, and win, it, win it fairly. You know, like win it, win it in a way that there's – it's not goofy. It's not, boy, you're really struggling. And the 49ers are good, but I don't know how much to really – is Trey Lance playing again this week, I assume? We, we don't know. We, we don't, don't know. We don't know. Uh, Jimmy practiced yesterday, okay. Um, although limitedly, I, I with his injury, I'm going to find it very difficult that they play him. But okay. uh, they haven't ruled it out yet. That's obviously relevant. I I would feel more confident if it's Trey Lance only because I'm not. I know people are excited about Trey Lance, but it was against the Texans. I I'm not going to buy too much into that. I'm still going to go the Rams no matter what. The Rams is my answer. Yeah, I, I I've been. Uh, I've been leading the charge with the Rams. I thought early in the season they were the best team in the NFL just because of what, of how balanced they were on both sides of the ball. Uh, their play calling is really weird for me. I've watched a lot of their games. I, I just I just don't understand what they're trying to accomplish um, many times. Uh, but you know, may see Cam Akers this week. I don't know. Uh, could be. Yep. Uh, I'll I'll continue to to go on the Rams side. It's at home. I think Glenn's point is like this is. This is more important of a game for the Rams. I mean, this is a team that went all in. I mean, they made every trade. They have no draft picks next year. They brought in all these veterans and say, this is this is our year. Um, you got to start showing it. You didn't show it last week. This is a this is a kind of reminder game. I agree with you. They're putting all their eggs in this basket. And I think they win. And by the way, it's, it's, look, it's a very important game for the 49ers because if they lose and New oh, Orleans, I, I understand. And, and New Orleans wins, but, then New Orleans steals the different. Spot. Yes, it's a different correct. It's a different. It's yes. a different storyline. Yep. I mean, the Rams, the Forty ers are are happy to make the playoffs this year. Uh, you know, you, you say that. I mean, you all want to win the Super Bowl, but like the Rams legitimately put all their chips in the middle of the table. Yep, no like, question. We're in. We're in. We're, we're going for it. Uh, we'll worry about next year, next year. But we want to win the Super Bowl this year. Look at all the veterans we brought in, and and to kind of kind of take us that way. I think this is a really important game. For the Rams. Yeah, the Rams better be on. They don't have a first-round pick till 2072. Yep, correct. Um, you guys are screwed. It's the two of you and Stetka Ooh. on the Rams. Ooh. Don't like that company. That's yeah, not good company. Like yeah, not good company. All right. Uh, you have the Los Angeles Chargers 
at the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Sunday at 8.20 on Sunday Night Football. Chargers by three. Chargers. I think I guess t- when every time I was playing footsie there with Zach for a second. Nice. Uh, every time you trust Jealous. the Chargers, you end up feeling really stupid about it. But I just think they're better. The Chargers. I hate this game because I don't. I, I all year I don't think Vegas is good. Yeah. I, I just. But here they are. Nothing, like there's nothing. There's not anything on either side of the ball. That you're like, you know what? They're really good at that. Nope. That's uh, the Raiders every year. They can rely on the run game. Well, no, they can't. Well, they can rely on Derek Carr. No, no, they can't. Well, they're deep. No, they're not. I, I just – and then you have the Chargers who have this high-powered, terrific offense that sometimes just disappears on you. Um, But but I'll take the Chargers. I, I, yeah, I, I guess I should have taken the points because if I read things, everybody's just going to kneel down yeah, and they're going to go for right, a tie. Right, right. So they both make the playoffs because that happens in the NFL. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'll take I'll take the San Diego Chargers. All right, uh, Proctor, the only one on Vegas Lone Wolf. By the way, I should I should because he said San Diego, I should force that to be a loss for him because there's no way. Anyway, yeah, he uh, he put it in his email it's, too. It's fine. And finally. Uh, the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens in basically a meaningless game. Sunday, January 9th at 1 p.m. Um, Ravens by five and a half. I have L.A. Rams on the website. Oh, you should probably fix that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't get that line even a little bit. I get it. The Steelers stink. I mean, have you seen the Ravens? Um, the Ravens could win the game. They could definitely win the game because they could have won last week and they could have won a lot of these games. But five and a half, no chance. Steelers. Ken, he's there. He's he's contemplative. Oh, I you you dropped off. What did, I no, didn't hear. I, I didn't oh, pick the Ravens game five and a half. Uh, Ravens have lost like a billion games by like a total of five points, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. T- I, I just I look. I, they may win the game. Um, I, I think in all this funny playoff thing, the one thing that everybody in town was not really looking at was you know they they still have to beat the Steelers like this. The, like Pittsburgh's coming in here to to win the game. Yes, um, uh, and that's a problem now. If Deontay Johnson doesn't play, it's very helpful. Um, Najee Harris uh, doesn't really scare me too much. Um, he doesn't do much against the Ravens. Nobody running the ball really really does. Um, although Michelle ran it as well as anybody uh, last week, but it's too big a number for me to take the Ravens. I'll take this five and a half. Proctor with his with his third lone wolf oh, of the week right. taking Ooh, the Ravens. Get right back in trying, to, trying to get within shouting distance as we go into the postseason. All right, very good. KZ at Fans Fantasy on Twitter is how everybody follows you, and they'll see your stuff at PressBoxOnline.com, correct? They will. Uh, we'll have the uh, the DFS lineups uh, will be posted later this afternoon. Excellent. All right, buddy, appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Take care, guys. It's Ken Zalas, PressBox Fantasy Football Expert. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models 
A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. We'll come back in. Tidbit Tubular and then Summer Britcher. We're going to chat with the now three-time Olympian, the Baltimore native who qualified for her third Olympic luge team. Could this be the year she breaks through and sees the podium? We'll talk about that. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here as we wind down for a Thursday edition of GCR. Pull Zach up for a second so we can say hello. Pull him up on the screen. Um, I'm, I'm doing that as we speak. All right. Uh, Zach Goodman from the Bat Around is here today. He's going to be here tomorrow uh, getting ready for Saturday's show. It's been a while, Zach. What's going on, pal? How are you? How are you? Uh, all right, there you are. I am yeah. muted. Yeah, I'm good. There, now you're you? good. There thanks you are. for uh, thanks for letting me sit in today. Um, well, I, yeah, I, it, we had to. We didn't got, have got, a Got to learn yeah, the system. Right. You got to so know how this I'll, works. I'll be here on Saturday, and I'll be here tomorrow. So, and uh, you're gonna, you're, I think you're gonna mostly be producing the show tomorrow, which we're looking right. forward to. Um, give me your. I haven't asked you. I haven't. We didn't get a chance to talk. There's so much. It's Raven Steelers week, so that's what we're talking about mm-hmm. this week. Uh, and Paul, I'll give you the same one. The report from Jeff Passan this week that the sides have not even spoken 
um, since the yeah. I mean in, for over a month now. There has been no conversation between the players and the owners. Uh, I get it. As, I, as we said at the time, there's no deadline. It wasn't a big deal. There was a work stoppage because there was no work to be stopped, right? Yeah. So, like, nobody really cared. If you're going to have a work stoppage, yeah, it's goofy when you go to MLB.com, but you just don't go to MLB.com for a little while. Um, at some point, however, you start doing the math and you start saying to yourself, yeah, if you're not talking right now, I can't love the chances of not only you getting to spring training on time, because I think most of us have kind of made peace that like probably spring training won't start on time, but at some right. point, you do have to start. Like I saw people talking about like, yeah, you know, I got my opening day tickets for Christmas. I'm like, eh, I don't have a great feeling about opening day. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. I, I there's got to be a date at which we start saying to ourselves, if there's not constructive conversation happening, you're hard to get me to believe that there's a, a good feeling that opening day is going to happen when we thought it was. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly not great when you see the fact that they're not willing to talk right now and they're not willing to come to, you know, even the table to talk about anything. Um, and we thought after the holidays, now that, you know, New Year's, Christmas, they're all over, that maybe some positivity would be surrounding this and that we'd actually see them coming to talk to each other about it. Uh, but they are, we know, they're so far apart on so many things that it's going to be an uphill climb to getting something done. And I think you know they, they've been trying to get an 140 game season 150 game season going for a while and that may be what you have this year it may be shortened by you know 10 20 games somewhere around there you may see that uh whether that's in a uh a result of the cba or not i don't know but i, I certainly think that spring training starting on time at this point is kind of in doubt uh now that we, we see them not moving at all on, on talks you know they won't even sit down now the minor leagues can still play because right, yes, uh, yes. so you look at a guy like adley rutschman who's not on the orioles 40-man roster Which, now i'm starting to w- wonder about how does that go with service time if they delay the major league season 10 20 games yeah. and he's still playing a triple a does that count would they still then have to let him get another three to four weeks down a triple a yeah. if they want that extra year of service time if there's nothing in, and we assume that in the new cba there will be something that stops people from stops teams from doing service time manipulation but if there isn't and he starts a triple a well i also don't know if it won't be grandfathered in like i don't i don't it's it's all of these things they're going to change does it go into effect immediately or does it go right. into effect well that's three question, to four years right. down the road especially right? especially in relation to the draft i mean that's the, yep. that's the biggest question because the orioles went into this season knowing that you know you lose the most games you get the number one yep. pick but now that's far from being a, a I, and I'd, I'd be very surprised if again they they go in reverse I, I still think the Orioles will end up having the number one I, pick. I would agree yeah. I'd be very surprised if that was the case but whatever they end up doing with the draft I also don't know if that's not one that they ultimately in order to get it, the pressure time-wise to get a deal done I wonder if that's not one that ends up getting tabled mm-hmm. because they're like look it's there are more pressing issues that we're dealing with we we wanted to fix this but We'd rather get the season started than worry I'd about this too much. Rather play baseball at all, right? Exactly right. Exactly. I just wonder if that's one that ends up getting table once all said and done. I have, I know people that part of their business is they run trips to spring training, and they've said we're just not we're taking it off the table. It's just not, not something we're planning on doing this year. I I'm usually like, go to Arizona every year for spring training. I, I have no Ari- idea. God, I love Arizona. I, I love it training. too. I love it too. Oh, it's, I love Arizona uh, spring the, training. The parks out there are incredible, and the, the temperature is like 75, 80 degrees perfect. It's so, and there's no rain. It's, yeah, there's right. There's no it's, rain. There it, it's is no, there is no better month to be anywhere in the world than March in Arizona, man. It right, is right. so wonderful. I mean, all, all the teams I care about are in Florida, but right. I, I go to Arizona because it's Arizona. It's so great. And it's, 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 so it's, great. It's, it's amazing. I try telling people that, like, I, so I had, I had this amazing when I was out there working 
I was doing a national show for Sporting News on Saturday and Sunday, and so the trade-off was my local, the station that I was on locally, uh, KDUS, they were like, well, you can take one day off during the week. Instead of having to work all seven days, you can have a day off during the week. And so it wasn't always the same day, but in March it was always Friday because on Friday in March I could go hit an afternoon game like out at the the Giants, and then I could go to a night game with the Mariners or something like that. And I consumed a great deal of alcohol, and it was just a joyous time. It was such a wonderful time for me. It's it's amazing out there. And yeah. oh, and by the way, it's it's actually become a problem now. Spring training in Arizona is such a big deal that you can't get tickets. Like, right, it is very very difficult. It, it has become like you were seeing tickets scalped for like one hundred and fifty dollars, like right. to a spring training game. No, it's it's, it's become, unreasonably expensive. Yeah. when you go out, it's very expensive. It wasn't like that when I was there. And it was part of the joy that I had. I feel like I would have less joy about it. This, like, I, you, you feel like you're stealing money when you're sitting. Like, I remember sitting, because Tempe was where uh, Diablo Stadium was, where the Angels were when I was out there. And I lived in Tempe. And I would go to an Angels game for like 10 bucks, and I would be watching Vladimir Guerrero playing baseball. Right, like, r- right a, up close, too. Like, and I'd be like, my, my God, man. Like, yeah. this is everything I've ever asked for. Oh, and I wasn't a big, you know, we would work spring training uh for radio like we would go down to, to sarasota and fort lauderdale once upon a time but i never just got to be a fan and like being being a fan in arizona for spring training i just fell in love and again there's no rain the games aren't getting rained out all right uh, we'll talk to you more tomorrow and uh and of course the bat around every saturday morning 10 to noon with uh, paul and zach it's back this week let's go ahead and get a tidbit and tubular before we talk to summer britcher tidbit is brought to you today by project game day which returns this sunday I'll be with you at halftime. Uh, the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, joins me post-game for Project Game Day. You can see all of the shows, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. And also you can listen to the post-game show, pressboxonline.com slash radio. Project Game Day, every game day, brought to you by Glory Days Grill, as well as our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. All right, so Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown were both in the forefront of the Wait, NFL. We haven't, we haven't talked about Antonio Brown today. I, it's There's too much there for me to really – I don't have a take yet. I don't have a take. There's just way too much going on there for me to like – do I think it's – I have no – no matter what, I, it's impossible for me to have sympathy for Antonio Brown. I, I can't. Now, do I think it's it's possible that the way he portrays the story is either true or something close to true? One My – there have been few figures who my opinions about have changed more than Bruce Arians. I really liked Bruce Arians two years ago. Mm-hmm. Bruce Arians being the guy that was willing to sign Antonio Brown and not care about you know the very serious evidence that existed of what he had done changed my opinion a lot about Bruce Arians. And you know the idea that Bruce Arians was like, I don't give a rat's ass about your injury. Go out and play. Like. I've changed. I was a guy who really liked Bruce Arians as of two years ago. Glenn, I don't know if you saw it yet, but AB actually released the text I this saw. morning that they sent. So it, it was, this, and th- even that doesn't. Yeah, it's not a whole. It doesn't share the whole story, and yeah. it's, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Of and what that's what. It, yeah, it, I, 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 that's my gut. My gut is one. Antonio Brown's not someone who's earned the the trust in any way, and then two, I think it might be somewhere in the middle, but I still think it could end up being something that looks bad for Bruce Arians. Like I just. He, I've really changed my opinion, but there's no. I have no sympathy for Antonio Brown. He's not a sympathetic figure. It's, it's funny how anything involving Antonio Brown ends up looking bad for whoever's involved with it. Maybe why you don't. It's but 
Nonetheless, he has been in the news. For Roethlisberger, he was in the news because it's his final home game as a Pittsburgh. It was his final home game as a Pittsburgh Steeler, as we assume his career is winding down. Uh, For Antonio Brown, it was his antics on the sidelines as he tore off his jersey, danced in the end zone on his way out of the stadium Mm mid-game after he was quote-unquote cut from the team during the game. Mm -hmm. Did you know that the pairing of Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown combined for the sixth most touchdowns from a quarterback-receiver duo in NFL history with 78. I didn't know that, for what yeah. it's worth. Wait, really? It's sixth most ever. Kind of surprised by that. It doesn't seem like that much yeah, for right? being sixth most. Who were the five duos ahead of them? I, I assume Montana and Rice. No. That's a little surprising. That's exactly what I was going to say. For I'm going to let obviously that's, that's more Glenn, than no. You can jump in. You can jump. Yeah, in. That's more than a little surprising. You got half of them right. Half of it right. Steve Young and Jerry Steve Rice. Steve Young uh, and Jerry Rice. Ninety-two. Mm. They were third. Um, uh, Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison. Number one. One hundred and fourteen. Uh, yeah. This is harder to think of on the spot. Aikman and Irvin. No. And it's all wide receivers, aren't tight ends? No, there's tight ends. There's tight ends. I feel like Shannon Sharp has to be a part of this. So. No. John Elway no? would be the okay. one if it was Shannon yeah. Sharp. Um, there's tight ends involved. So Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. They are number two, 104. How about Brady and Moss? Yeah, no. Not enough time. No, okay. Yeah. Uh, top, like Breeze and Colston? No. Oh, th- but they are they are they're tied for seventh with uh, seventy six. Okay. Boy, that's tough. <laughs> just it's just very tough. Just Matt Ryan and Julio? No, oh, that's okay. a good one though. That's a good one. Philip Rivers and Keenan Allen. You got half. Philip Rivers right. and Antonio Gates. Philip Rivers yeah. and Antonio mm-hmm. Gates, number four with ninety. So you have one left. And this is the one I thought. I I still don't think there's a chance you get it. I don't think there's it's, a chance. It happened it. in our lifetime. Happened in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Not Zach's. Jim Kelly and Andre Reed. They are tenth with like seventy-two. In our lifetime. In our lifetime. Uh, Dan Marino and Mark Duper. Mark Clayton. Dan Marino and Mark Clayton, number yeah. five. The other, the other Mark Clayton, as we say it in Baltimore. All right. That's interesting. That's Mark, interesting. Mark Duper, is that what you call him? That's a different player. Yes, there's two different receivers. <laughs> I've never heard of Mark Duper. Yeah, Mark Duper was definitely a receiver. Um, but not Mark Clayton, and that's not the Oklahoma Mark Clayton. That's, of course, the... Uh, the actually, where did the other Mark Clayton go to school? I don't remember where the other no. Mark Clayton went to school. Mark Duper had, uh, for his career, 59 touchdowns. So he wasn't quite as good. As Mark Clayton, but he was still pretty freaking good, Mark Duper, during his time, and he was very My much. My apologies for not knowing. Yeah, that's on is. you, and it was in the same time frame. It was from 1982 to 1992, so I was very much. As, it was a good guess on my part. It, wa- it was. Very the fact guess. that you got Marino and Clayton, I never would have gotten that. I would have gotten Marino, but not the Clayton part. I'm trying to figure out where the other one went to the school. The other Mark Clayton went to Louisville was where the other Mark Clayton it, went to. For the for the record, the other four teams on the list, again, it was Andre Reed and Jim Kelly at 10th with 72. And then three t- three duos tied for 7th with 76. It was Breeze and Colston uh, with 76. Devontae Adams and uh, Rogers. Aaron Rodgers at 76. And uh, Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne. That makes sense. That makes sense. 
All right, sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Here's what's coming up, totally tubular, or at least as of the last time I checked, all of these games are scheduled. Maryland in action tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. They're at Illinois. Uh, the Maryland women host Penn State at 6 on the Big Ten Network. Mount St. Mary's travels to LIU at 7 on NEC Front Row. Big Ten hoops tonight, FS1 for Ohio State and Indiana at 7. Iowa, Wisconsin at 9. Finding the rest of the college basketball at glennclarkradio.com. TNT, Celtics, Knicks, 7.30. Clippers, Suns at 10 o'clock. ESPN's got Wild Bruins. Oh, ESPN's actually showing a hockey game again. They announced this big hockey package, and they had like 20 games they were going to air all season. ESPN Wild Bruins at 7 o'clock. ESPN Plus and Hulu for Penguins Flyers at 7. The Golf Channel for uh, round one of the PGA's Tournament of Champions at 6 o'clock. And uh, Pro Wrestling on WWE Network, NXT UK at 3. Access TV for Impact at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Uh, this one, this first one is for you, Glenn, on Peacock TV, streaming now the first two episodes of Cool Under Pressure. It's a Joe Montana docuseries. You were a big Montana guy. I did like Joe Montana a great when, deal. When you were Not something up. that I'm like it, that I'm rushing to go watch, but yeah, something I would. Fair enough. Um, what else do we have? I'm trying to finish Cobra Kai right now. I'm trying to finish the I season have, of Cobra Kai. I can't Kai. believe there's already four seasons. It's I've never good. never watched an episode. Good. It's one of those things I wasn't going to watch. I had no interest in whatsoever until everybody started telling me how good it was, and now I'm like, Jesus, it really is. It is very good. Uh, another one you're going to love on MTV, Jersey Shore. Ah, uh, family family vacation. vacation back. I'm yeah, excited that's, about that's that. back tonight I, at 8 I, I saw the commercials for that. It was a yeah. little bit disturbing, in my opinion. Get out of here. Get <laughs> the F out of here. <laughs> you're, 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 you're out uh, number look, two to one here. Look, I don't, I, I, Big I, I, Jersey guy what, what, what happens in these shows? I mean, it just seems this, look, wild. It's not, nearly as good as, it's not nearly as good as the Jersey okay. Shore. The yeah. original Jersey Shore okay. is phenomenal. This is very much a bastardized version where they're like trying. The people are still entertaining, but they're trying to force things because they only get to film for like two yeah. weeks. Yeah. They get two weeks of filming and they got to film a season's worth of stuff in two weeks. So they have to force a lot in order but to make I, it happen. What happens in these shows? Like, what do they you actually. Just, just get drunk. I mean, I mean, they, they get drunk. Like, they right. try to all be like, oh, we've grown up and changed <laughs> yeah. their ways, and but then, they've only then, have like half done so. Yeah. And then they're, they end up being so rat- They get drunk and they, they get ratchet and you're like, yep, that's what I watch for. That's, yeah, all right. that's what I want to see. Um, on CNN, live from the Capitol, January 6th, one year later mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock. Uh, on Fox. They're bringing Joe. Mil- Do you guys remember Joe Millionaire? Where it was a guy. He was. Yeah. A, he was a date. He was like. It's they, a rich they, they, guy and a non-rich guy, right? Yeah. This yeah. time it's a rich guy and a non-rich guy. The original premise was the guy w- had was like poor as anything, I but remember they it. made him seem like a. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's back to like Joe Millionaire for richer or poor. I'm at good. Eight. I'm good. And um, basically the same concept as Jersey Shore. I mean, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. You get a bunch of people together, get them drunk, have them be ratchet. <laughs> right. Yeah. New new episodes of the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and uh, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, but no noteworthy guests. No. And then like Young Sheldon, United States Val, stuff like that. All right. Very good. All right, uh, thanks today to Pete Gilbert. Thanks also to Adelius Thomas. Thanks to Damon Evans. Thanks to Ken Zalis and to Summer Richard, who you're about to hear from. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. On the program tomorrow, we'll preview the Steelers with our buddy Charlie Batch. Um, and Ian Eagle is going to join us tomorrow, correct? Yes, Love Ian, one of my favorite people. He's calling Sunday's game. Um, and we might do, I was debating between tomorrow and Monday to do a championship preview. You might do that tomorrow just because. Bo, right? Usually. Oh yeah. Bo, right. On Friday. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll figure it all out. We'll figure it all out. 
All right, thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Exxon Mobile, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and my bookie. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday night. Go Maryland. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too. We wrap up today's show. We had to do this a little bit earlier on because she's in Latvia, which I, I had no idea. Like She was like, I was like, what's the, what's the time difference? I don't even know what a guess would be for the time difference. Um, but she just qualified for her third Olympic team, Baltimore native Summer Britcher, to wrap up today's program. Well, it seems like we do this literally every four years where we catch up with Yes, <laughs> We should probably do it more frequently than that. That's all I mean. Uh, as of this weekend, she is officially qualified for her third career Olympics. She is a Baltimore native. She ended up, you know, she spent more time up above the Mason-Dixon line in Pennsylvania, but she's Baltimore through and through. It's a pleasure to welcome in <laughs> Olympic loser Summer Bridger, who's back with us here on GCR. Summer, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you again. Thank you and congratulations on another Olympic team. Thank you and thanks for having me. It's great to chat with you as always. For those that don't know your background, right? For don't don't know you are Baltimore bona fide. You are you are legit <laughs> as they come, correct? Um, I don't I don't want to be too much of a, a fraud here. I was um I was born in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, my whole family is um all my siblings born in Baltimore. My dad is a battalion chief for the Baltimore City Fire Department. Um, so even though I grew up uh, in Pennsylvania, my dad's um, commuted for his whole career down to Baltimore. Uh, my mom went to uh, University of Maryland Pharmacy School. My brother went to University of Maryland Pharmacy School. So I uh, grew up just uh, just north of the border, but um, definitely have huge ties to Baltimore. I feel like and, everybody, um, by the way, even in those people in Pennsylvania, I feel like they're all Orioles and Ravens fans anyway up that way. Oh, right? yeah, no, yeah. I, I am an Orioles and a Ravens fan, yeah. um, which it's weird. Like where I, you'd think, I mean, I um, grew up in Glen Rock, Pennsylvania, and um, it's like, Ravens versus Steelers there. Like there's no not really any Eagles fans. It's weird. I mean there's a couple, but um I'm proud to be on the Ravens side of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> boy, it's uh boy, we got a big one coming up on Sunday and um and, yeah, it's what it is. It's what it is. It's what it is. It's been a tough couple of weeks. Summer, it's not been a tough couple of weeks for you. I, I know this is not your first time, obviously. This is your third time now, but I'm assuming it never gets old once once you know. And I think we've always assumed that you were, you know, you were gonna make it, but at just I, the comfort of knowing you've qualified, you're there. What does that mean to you to to officially be back as an Olympian again? Definitely, just having that spot solidified is it's so much stress off my shoulders. Um, yeah, I definitely didn't have my focus on just qualifying this year. Yeah. Um, same as the last Olympic quad. I had my focus from the beginning of the season more on performing well and on the actual Olympics themselves, and just kind of trusted. Um, that I would have the results necessary um, to qualify for the team. And this year, I actually had a, a pretty rough start. Um, I had, I think, probably collectively, like, my worst start to the season, uh, results-wise, in, like, eight years. Um, so to get that result last weekend of a fifth-place finish in, um, in the World Cup last weekend to actually solidly qualify me for the Olympics was a, a huge stress off my shoulders. So Yeah, don't have to worry. Good. Now you can just worry about going and getting a medal. Now we can just – that's all you got to think about. Yes, now exactly. Forward. Summer Britcher <laughs> exactly. is with us. Summer, all right, so I, I want to talk about that, but I, I do I, – I remember the last time we talked, like we ended up talking a lot about how you got into Illusion. It was one of my favorite stories, and we always have different audiences. Can, can you t- – like – 
how this happens, because I don't think the average person sitting around today in Baltimore and Glen Rock, Pennsylvania, is necessarily saying to themselves, I could be a loser at some point. <laughs> like, can you take everybody through your story of how you got into the sport to begin with? Yeah, so it's definitely, it's wild. I think about this sometimes, that this one, like, day, this one experience shifted kind of the whole course of my life, right? Um, I kind of just came across this sport with my family. Um, and if I hadn't, I have no idea um, what my life would look like now or what I would be doing. Um, but we went skiing one day at Ski Liberty um, in Pennsylvania, which people in the area are probably familiar yep. with, um, Ski Liberty. And um, they had this fun little luge event going on where they built, um, I mean, they called it a luge course, but I mean, luge is really just super advanced sledding. So it was a nice, <laughs> really nice sledding course on the ski hill where they like packed down the snow, made these banked curves and put in a professional timing system for this sledding course, which was so cool. Um, and so we, we tried that out for the day. It was a ton of fun. Um, but I guess I was just this, um, little jerk who, was, <laughs> that's how I think of it now. Um, looking back, um, I was like 11 years old and I was just trying so hard to beat my older brother. So I was being so competitive. Um, which looking back, I'm like, wow, it was probably just really annoying trying so hard to beat them, but it was seen as competitive athletic spirit. Um, so one of the um, USA Luge staff members there talked to my parents and said, Hey, I think your daughter shows some promise. Um, you should consider setting her up to Lake Placid, New York, where we have a real luge track. Um, and she can try out for the team. There's a tryout camp in a couple months wow. and for kids of her age, and she'll go for a week and train on this track, um, train with the real coaches of the development team and maybe get selected to the development team. Um, yeah. And for some reason, my parents thought, yeah, that's a good idea. We'll, we'll get rid of her for a week. <laughs> Glad they <laughs> no, did. My dad actually went up and stayed in the town because they were worried about like sending me away yeah. for the week. He's like, what if this, what if this is, we don't, we don't know what the deal is with this. So he went up and, um, stayed, uh, in the town while I tried out. Wow. The team. Wow. And here we are three Olympics later. And if, and, and, so what's the most likely scenario? If Wild. You, if you had, if your family had not been at Ski Liberty that day. And you had never discovered luge. What do you think is the most likely scenario for what your life would look like at this point? I have no idea. I mean, I think, um, I hope I'd have my college degree by now. I'm, I'm still working towards that. I only have a little bit left to go. Okay. Um, going part-time very slowly while training. Do, doing what, Olympics, Summer? What, so. what, what's your degree in? Uh, communications. Okay. All right. So you might be doing my job is what you're saying. Like you, I wouldn't have a job cause you'd be doing my job is at that point. Exactly. You, yeah. <laughs> I would be, um, I would, I would take your job and you'd be cursing my name. Right. And day. I'm not um, good at luge. <laughs> so this would be a real problem. I would not be good on a sled down the hill. Um, no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very cool story. Summer Britcher is with us. Uh, you had so much success now in your career. Um, you set a, a track record during the last Olympics, right? You've won all these World Cup events. I did. How important is it for you to to get an Olympic medal? And and maybe you tell me it's not just medal; it's that you winning a gold. I don't know, but like, given everything you've done, you have proven you know you are a great loser. But how much is that still a separation? for you in your career that like, Hey, all these things are cool, but there's still this thing. So I'm going to say this and I hope it's not taken the wrong way. Um, but with everything I've gone through and all the experience that I have, 
I, it would mean quite a lot to me to get an Olympic medal. It would be a lifelong dream come true. It would be incredible, but it doesn't mean that much to me in a different type of way. I mean, it, it means a lot. It's like the biggest thing in sport, sure. right? It would be incredible. Sure. It's, it's what I'm hoping for. It's what I'm driving and pushing for. Um, but I put so much value and emphasis on that going into the Pyeongchang Olympics. And I went in, um, very much like more of a metal contender than I am now. I had almost everything peaking right at the right time, just coming together. I came away with a track record. I was, I had the potential to be the fastest, um, on the track and then a fourth place in the team relay event. And I, I had, I sacrificed so much to get to that point. Right. I, I skipped, so many important things of friends and family, um, all with this excuse of like, I need to do everything to be so good at the Olympics. Um, and I got there and I failed. Um, and I was walking away from it and I went, wow. And I, I don't have an Olympic medal and I'm sitting here and I sacrificed all of that. And for what? Wow. Um, which was, and that's just because I went into it with the wrong, the wrong approach, um, which it felt right at the time. And then walking away, I felt very, very empty after that experience. So I went about this quad differently. I kind of said, you know, I, I'm going to give it everything I have. I, I'm going to train really hard still. And I, I really want <laughs> to come away with an Olympic medal. That's just such an achievement, but not at the detriment of my relationship with my friends and family. Um, I'm they're going to take a bigger priority this time. I'm going to be uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, a better person to the people okay. in my life. Um, so, you know, win or lose, um, success or failure, I can walk away and um, be proud and be fulfilled uh, no matter what my results. Uh, we, we're having a much bigger mental health conversation in this country, in the world, and, and particularly mm -hmm. maybe related to, you know, Olympic athletes um, after what happened last summer with Simone Biles. Do you, do you find yourself saying that maybe you're in a better you know, mental space going into this Olympics than you perhaps you were four years ago? Could that help you competition-wise to be in a, a healthier mental space? Um, I hope so. Um, so I said <laughs> sure. I, I was peaking in almost every way going into Pyeongchang. I was peaking in every way except mentally, yeah. I would say. Yeah. So that's the one kind of facet that wasn't, you know, going great for me. Um, and it all kind of came to a head um, at the biggest event of my career. Um, so, uh, put a lot of work into that and, um, I'm definitely in a much better space now and I'm hoping that that will, um, take me to some better results and just a better performance in general. Do we know yet, if Summer Butcher is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio, Summer, do we know yet all the details of, you know, who's going to be able to be there for Beijing? Obviously we saw an Olympics in the summer with, with nobody there. Do we know yet all the details of... Will your family be able to go? Will they be able to watch? Like, do we know any of that still? We're, you know, we're obviously still weeks away um, from the actual start of the games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so as of now, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's fairly solid, there will be um, no spectators right. um, at these Olympics, which um, for me, and I, and I talked to some of the uh, athletes that competed in the summer games, and I think for like the more experienced athletes, it was almost... It's, you know, there's a lot of negatives to that. You don't get to have your friends and your family and the people you're closest to there supporting you. But that can also be a really big distraction and just extra pressure of like, oh, they came all this way and you really want to do well for them in addition to for yourself, for all this stuff you've been working towards. Um, and so they said it was almost less stress in a way, hmm. some of them, um, which that's what I'm going to kind of take it as. I've, I've had 
um, two Olympics where I was, I was super lucky to have my family there supporting me, watching me. Not everyone's that lucky. So um, I was really happy to have them there, but I'm just going to, I'm going to try to look at it as a positive. Um, no shade to my family. No, just, I get it. I have to because right. I have no control over it. So yep. I have to look at it and say, Hey, how can I turn this into a positive? And I think it's that, okay, I can just really focus on the competition and because, you know, I, I, it's not going to be any different no matter how I feel about it. So it, it, try even, to take it as a positive. For a sport like Lusion, again, you, you're going to say you're, you're an idiot. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not an expert, right? <laughs> like, I openly admit that. We talk about football most of the time. Do you feel the crowd at all when you are flying down a hill like that? Like, Or are you so intensely focused on what it is that you're doing that, you know, where would you even no, hear? No, you definitely you, feel the crowd. Okay. Yeah, it's... um. It's, it's crazy because it's such a, like, intense sport, right? Like, you're going 80 miles per hour right. on this sheet of ice on concrete. And, like, a lot of the countries, some of the older tracks in Europe, spectators can get right up next to the track. Um, and so I remember my first, like, World Cup race um, in – my first World Cup race in Germany um, after only competing on the youth and junior circuit, I was shocked coming out of one of the curves and seeing so many people wow. and just it's a whole different experience um so it's it's wild and the the crazy thing is we haven't had that for um the past two seasons this season or last season because of covid there haven't been any spectators um at any of the world cup events there was a couple hundred uh, a couple weeks ago okay. in the austria world cup but you go from having all these people like they're watching your race and it's just such a bigger element of excitement. Right. And it drives up the nerves. It drives up the intensity to just having other athletes and coaches and staff around. Um, which I, I mean, maybe it's a good thing. There won't be any spectators at the Olympics just coming off of two years with no spectators. It would sure, be maybe you reintrodu- right. You introduce it. You're like, Whoa, no one for two years yeah. to like, the Olympics is already crazy. You, the okay, so let, let's finish the sentence. I'll uh, the difference in whether this will be my best Olympics will be what? Oh man, um, the thing that I've I've learned about like sport and I guess life in general too is like you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's the. I, I don't want to say it, but like the thing that will make this my best Olympics as far as results beyond just um, what I can control um, is going to be a little bit of luck. Sure. Um, sure. Because anything could go wrong at the last second. Anything can go right. Um, someone else could come out and have the performance of their lifetime. I could get COVID the week before the Olympics. Um, there's just so much up in the air and um from what I can control, the thing that will make this my best Olympics will be if I come out of it really proud of my performance and, and my competition runs, whatever my results, if I can say, wow, I really slid my best. Yep. Um, and I'm hoping that if I slide my best, I'll come away with a medal. Yep. <laughs> yep. But you can't, right. I get, you can't, you can't, there's things you just can't control. There are things that you can't right. control in that, in that, hell, again, I mean, last time out, right? You, you set a track record and yet that, <laughs> yeah. that wasn't enough to alone to be able to get you on the podium that's 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 the way that it works yeah and on the um on the men's side in pyeongchang the guy who won the race had like barely qualified to go to the olympics austrian and he had never been on the world cup podium before wow and then like things just came together for him right and he won the olympics holy crap oh it's it's so hard to realize like oh wow you're gonna train for 
well, like four years focused on each Olympics, but all the time before that as well. And then it comes down to four minutes on the ice. You get four minutes and you have to be near perfect or perfect. And that's just insane. I don't know what I'm, what am I doing here? (laughs) (laughs) This is your life, right? Like this this is how you've spent the last decade and a half is building up to this moment, man. That is, that is crazy. With that in mind, wrapping up with Summer Britcher, who's with us in GCR. Have you thought ahead? Like as you know, how many more of these would I do? Have, Have you, have you started considering any of that stuff or are you too in the moment of preparing for Olympics for that to be something that you're thinking about? No, I definitely think about it. Um, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough call. I'm, I'm kind of at the point in my career um, and my life where I'm, I'm kind of ready for something else. I'm excited okay. to find out what comes next, but I'm also not quite done with this. Um, so I, I don't know what I'm going to be doing next year. Um, I kind of decided I'm going to um, take a step back in the in the off season and not be so focused on training and kind of go see. Um, what else excites me? Finish up college. Um, and um, when the fall rolls around and they start making the ice in the tracks, it's time to go uh, train. I will either be on the plane or I won't be. Okay. Um, okay. And it'll be a surprise to me come September, October, um, what I'm doing. I'll probably know before then. But right now, I'm, I'm not sure um, what I'm going to be doing. Um, I could see it going either way. Um, I definitely have a lot uh, more I'd like to do in the sport. But also getting excited um, to find out what comes next. But you're not going to Beijing saying to yourself, I know this is my last one. I got to make sure I, you know, no, I, right, right. No, I, I, I don't think I would um, do very well if I had that sure, pressure on myself. Sure, so sure. Um, it probably will not be my last competition. Um, it's possible, but I don't see it being my last competition. All right. Unless I, someone in Baltimore wants to give me like a really cool job that I can't say no hey, to. Hey, look, so let's talk. <laughs> we know people. We know people. It might. We will talk. We will 100% talk. Let, let's wrap with this. Something, something cooler than uh, than losing in the Olympics. I don't know. How is it? By the way, how could it possibly be cooler than that, right? Like, how could it possibly be cooler? Um, we, I went with the uh, the Army Golden Knights a couple months ago. I jumped out of a plane for the first time in my life. And I, I had a panic attack. I could not sleep the night before. I was, like, like just shivering the end. I mean, it was it was a nightmare. How would I handle one ride down an Olympic lose track? You know what? I think you would handle it very well because I'm the same way. I am so bad. I'm not scared of heights, but okay. being airborne, like cliff jumping, I, the only thing that can get me to jump off of like a 10 foot cliff into water when all my friends are jumping is like when I watch like an eight year old do it. Okay. I'm like, okay <laughs> yeah, right. I better be able I to do it. I right. can do this. Right. Um, I am, it is not for me. I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy the adrenaline of being um, airborne or anything like that. I think I would probably not jump off the plane if I paid to go skydiving. I would wow. say, you know what? I'm, I'm good. good. The plane's okay. Um, yeah. I it's love going fast. So. That's wild. That is wild to me. That's so cool. Summer Bridge. So I think you'd I think you'd enjoy it. <laughs> I it's something I would love to do. I would love to go experience it one time and then I would be embarrassed by how bad I am at it and I would say you I've done it. Start somewhere. That's true. That's true. I didn't get up. I wasn't I wasn't at Ski Liberty that day. Who knows? Maybe life would have been different. Summer, uh, what can we plug for you? Social media, everything you got going on, what can we get plugs in for you for? Um yeah, I guess my social media, I'm at Summer Bell on Instagram, and I'm at Summer Britcher on uh, everything else, TikTok, Twitter. I think that's all of them, um, all the all the social medias. Um, if you find her on something else, it ain't her, so don't, don't follow her. 
Um, so give her a follow on all those places. And of course, we will be rooting like hell for you. Um, it'd be a very cool story to see you uh, medal Thank at you so the much. Beijing Games. Summer, always appreciate you taking the time for us. Thanks so much for making this happen. And uh, good luck in Beijing. Let's talk afterwards, all right? All right. Thank you.